Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Jones Report Time. We're Jones and we're so glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we'll be joined by Fox Sports' Adam Alexander, who's on the call for Kansas and Kansas State this weekend on FS1. He's also covering the NASCAR Cup Series Championship. We'll break down both of those, as well as the new college football playoff poll with Double A joins us coming up in just a little while from right now. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our weekly picks against the spread. And then at the end of today's show, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. Thomas Bridges joins me as always. Tom, man, we have so much to talk about. No shortage of things today. And just within the last few days alone, to kind of take a zoom out view of it all, here is just what has happened the last few days, folks. Yeah, the Braves win the World Series. First title for them since 1995. Aaron Rodgers tests positive for COVID-19. He's not going to play this weekend against the Kansas City Chiefs. Henry Ruggs gets a DUI arrest and is released from the Las Vegas Raiders. Oklahoma State basketball loses their appeal and they're handed a postseason ban. Those are just some of the things. The college football playoff poll was released for the first time this past week. Certainly caused some controversy. We're going to dive into that in just a few minutes. A lot of stuff going on. A lot to talk about. We're going to break it all down, Tom. Uh, no shortage of things by any means here. Yeah, no joke. I mean, it's been uh, one of the busier weeks in recent memory, I feel like. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, and – I feel like it's not just that, but it's one of those justified pissed off weeks. If you're listening to this show and you got a little ax to grind, we can't blame you. Whether you're an Oklahoma State fan that is mad about what went down with the NCAA punishing this Oklahoma State team for actions that happened when the freshmen on their squad were in seventh grade that they weren't involved with, or if you didn't like how the playoff poll turned out this past week and what that means for teams like Cincinnati and Oklahoma and such to see them underrated like they are, or uh, maybe you don't like what happened with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, him not being vaccinated. And maybe you're a Packer fan and you, you look at that and say, did you lose home field advantage because Aaron Rodgers didn't get the vaccine or maybe, you know, a, a Raider fan too, that Henry Ruggs was going to be one of the future stars of your franchise. And not only does he throw his career away, he killed somebody in the process too. I mean, you have a lot of reason to be mad if you're a sports fan right now at this point in time, Tom. Oh yeah. I would be furious. I mean, if you're, you know, a Raiders fan and you know, that happened, I mean, just, you don't even have to be a Raiders fan. I mean, man was doing 156 at like three or four in the morning, you know, and just completely rear in somebody and, and cost them their life. And it's just like, man, you have it made, you know, you have all this money. You're not a bad, you know, you know, you're not a bad. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call Henry Ruggs just crazy good in college. Sure. He was, but you know, I had him on my fantasy teams, um, you know, but you know, just to throw it away like that. I mean, he's facing like 20 years in prison now. You know, it's one thing if you Josh Gordon your way out of the NFL. It's another thing if you, you know, actually kill somebody. Like, you know, he didn't mean to necessarily, but, man, was double the legal limit. Like, it's insane. It's like you have all this money. You should be able to – if I had that money, type of money, Jones, 
I would have someone drive me around anytime that I was drinking. 100%. The NFL has a partnership with Uber that allows all NFL players to be picked up at any time for free to avoid these exact type of things that are happening. It's inexcusable. It really is. I mean, it makes no sense. And, you know, even if they didn't have a partnership, Uber's like, you know, how much is it really? It's like a dub drop in a bucket to an NFL player. Right. Um, Like, and and for one, you know, to to be that drunk and then to to do over a hundred, you know, is insane. You know, I'm I'm not going to be the goody two shoes and say I haven't had a couple beers and driven before. And I guarantee I wasn't doing a hundred, a hundred. I don't think my car would get to 150. It might, uh, but it's <laughs> my Hyundai Sonata has never been over 105. Um, so just to do that speed in what I'm guessing would not even be a highway um, to be a, probably just a normal street considering that what it sounds like is the other car that was hit was stopped um, is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so sad that, uh, that a life was lost when it didn't need to happen. And, and, uh, and all that went down there, just, uh, just terrible news. Uh, and what has been a uh, rough season for the Raiders, despite having the second best record in the AFC right now, uh, that team has certainly uh, gone through some stuff to uh, say the least there. But I think that's a, a good point to start today's show with uh, getting to our around the NFL segments and, you know, looking at the, uh, the big headlines of not only the Henry Ruggs situation, but Aaron Rodgers not being vaccinated and getting COVID. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, they get this game where they were looking at, okay, every game is a must win at this point just to try to make the postseason. And now they get a huge break against uh, the Packers here by not having to face Aaron Rodgers and going up against Jordan Love here. The Chiefs at 500 right now, this team in desperation mode. They'll take anything that they can get at this point. The Packers, they're still going to win their division. They're going to be fine. This might cost them home field advantage. They might lose the next two games in uh, this one against Kansas City and then the next game against Seattle. That could cost them home field, but they'll still win their division going away. Meanwhile, for the Chiefs, you just come off a win against the Giants that wasn't very impressive, but a win's a win. And you get this game here coming up against Green Bay. I think the Chiefs now, all of a sudden, your outlook changes. All right, you can beat Green Bay. You got a couple of winnable games coming up here. This might be the turning point in the season for the Kansas City Chiefs. If, if it doesn't happen now, it won't happen, Tom. Yeah, you're right. If, if they don't get – if they don't make – you know, good on this gift. I'm calling it a gift at this point. I mean, what luck. I mean, you're, I mean, the Rams faced the Packers in a couple of weeks and I would have loved to had Rogers get COVID when they, when the, you know, to be fair, the Rams got a gift this week. Derek Henry's gone for potentially this season. Um, So not to worry about that this week, but it does kill my fantasy team. But for the chiefs, you have to make, you know, you have to make the most of this. You're not going to get better luck than that. Uh, you know, even if, you know, let's say that, that Devontae Adams, I, I, I'm assuming he's back this week. Um, let's say that Devontae Adams is out again. You still have to face Aaron Rodgers and that Chiefs defense we know is not any good. You, you don't think Aaron Rodgers would eat Dan Sorensen alive? 
he would have his ass for breakfast. I mean, even Daniel Jones was making good on Dan Sorensen trying to cover people. I did, to be fair, too, a little side note tangent on Dan Sorensen. I've never seen more hate on Twitter for Dan Sorensen than I did this past week. Uh, he's he's being if he was if you didn't expose him already, he's exposed. I don't think he's got long. Um, I felt like I was way ahead of the curve. On oh the- my god, you've been Dan you've Sorensen. Been, you've been talking Dan Sorensen. You were one of the first. <laughs> you were you <laughs> you were the first probably. Um, but I saw so much hate for Dan Sorensen. But yeah, the Chiefs have to make good on it now. Um, and you know, Aaron Rodgers is you know the golden child in Green Bay for you know for now. Uh, coming and having an MVP type season after that first game, obviously. Right. And the Chiefs, I mean, their golden boy Mahomes is trying to catch a break, and so the Chiefs don't make good on it now. You can write them off. Uh, for making the playoffs, this I, this is a must-win game. And if oh, you don't man. if you don't beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, you have no business in the playoffs. Right. And Jordan Love, this is an opportunity for him to really show if he is going to be the next great Packer quarterback. Here, you are going up against a awful defense in the Kansas City Chiefs. You get to face Dan Sorensen. Get to throw at him directly. I know that it's his first career start, but I feel like we're going to find out real fast if Jordan Love is that dude or not. If he can't have a good game against this Chiefs defense, um, then the Packers might be on their hands and knees uh, after this one and saying, Aaron, you know, look, uh, we're, we're sorry. What can we do? Uh, you know, please get vaccinated, but don't leave us, please, please. You know, I mean, like if Jordan Love doesn't look good this week, granted it's one game his first career starts, um, where a game that they're going to have to run the ball a lot and take advantage of a bad Chiefs run defense here, I I would be sounding the alarm already. I I don't think that's an overreaction, Tom. No, I don't think it is either. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of implications for both teams. You know, we mentioned that, Chiefs have to win this for pretty much to stay in the playoff race. And, you know, the Packers, uh, they, you know, I, I guess, you know, the Packers are going to be fine. Like you mentioned, they're going to win their division outright. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, but, you know, maybe for the Packers, this isn't, maybe this is a, I don't know. I wouldn't want it to, uh, this game to be against the Chiefs if you were the Packers, but uh, maybe somewhat a blessing and a curse. You get to figure out what you have in Jordan Love and real NFL minutes here, and you can, you know, you'll be able to kind of see. Granted, Chiefs defense not that good, but you'll get to see what you have in Jordan Love and see if you know next year you're going to shoot the bet or not. Um, so it gives them a little, I don't know, a little look into what life might be like without Aaron Rodgers and. Uh, I, for what it's worth, I'll be watching this game. I gotta see if uh, I gotta see if if Jordan loves see what he does. You know, I'm I'm almost more interested in that than uh, seeing hopefully Mahomes get more fantasy points this week. Uh, there are a lot of storylines on both sides this week. Yeah, there certainly are. Let's uh, go ahead and take a look at around the rest of the NFL this week. Uh, The Jets taking on the Indianapolis Colts tonight on Thursday night football. Tom, the uh, Colts sitting at three and five. Carson Wentz has played a lot better as of late. They did lose a game in overtime last week against Tennessee here. 
the Jets, man, uh, out of nowhere, this uh, this quarterback that came in for them, Mike White, which I'll be honest, I didn't even know he existed before last week, played really good. He played better than what Darnold has for most of the season. I, I would assume the Colts are going to take care of business here, but, I mean, the Jets have had a few moments here and there from time to time this year. Uh, even with that 2-5 and five record, the Jets – have looked okay at times, including even last week in uh, that performance that they had with the win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. I mean, they pull that off and uh, a no name comes in a la Kurt Warner um, and, and pulls off a victory against really what was a surging Bengals team. Um, You know, kind of a shocker, but the Jets tend to do that. They did it with the Rams a couple of years ago, maybe it was last year. You know, they just somehow pull off games. They, they lose the ones they should potentially win, and they somehow pull games off like last week at least once per season, it seems like. So is that it, – it'll be interesting to see. Is that their one time this season that they, you know, play competent football? Well, you know, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Mike White. I feel like now that he, he goes in and shows what he's got, and then you bring back in – Wilson, I mean, I think Wilson's probably out for, what, at least another week, maybe two. You know, if if the Jets pull a string of victories off here, do you, I think you leave Mike White in. Maybe so. The Browns taking on the Bengals. Really good game in the AFC North. And we talked about this being a must-win game for the Chiefs. Must-win game coming up for the Browns after they lost to Pittsburgh last week at home. And you have these issues going on with Odell and Baker and the back and forth of their families getting involved and such here. A lot of problems with the uh, Browns right now. And you're taking on a Bengals team that's played pretty well. Joe Burrow, an MVP candidate at this point. Wow. What a uh, matchup we have on our hands here. As, as much as this is a much must win for the Browns, even for the Bengals here, Tom, I don't think the Bengals want to fall to five and four either. This is uh, th- th- this is going to be pretty much must win, I think, really for both sides here. The Bengals, if they lose two straight, then they're going to have a lot of issues that they're going to have to work out here in, in a very tough division. Yeah, they will, and and I I think you're absolutely right for the Browns. I mean, this is like for the Browns here, they're kind of in the Chiefs' position of like, well, you know. You got the Ravens and you got the Bengals and we just got beat by the Steelers. So where does that leave us? Uh, you got all these problems. Baker's been banged up. You know, the whole backfield for the Browns has been banged up as of late. Um, they can't seem to kind of get it together like we thought they would. And, you know, it seemed like this could be the year that they piece it together. But, um, you know, just going back to the good old Browns, like we know them, it seems like. And, you know, you mentioned the Bengals. You know, you lose to the Jets, uh, you know, probably maybe they didn't take that game seriously enough. I mean, they got behind and the hell, it was a great game to watch. Um, but they had no business letting Mike White do what he did. I mean, that's just, you know, credit to Mike White. But that was, you know, you know, you got playoff aspirations and looks to, to make a, a run for it, like a dark horse run. You don't let the Jets do that. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're right. They don't want to fall to five and four. I mean, they, you know, I get it. The AFC is not maybe as tough as we thought it was. And with Derrick Henry going down and, 
you know, you really just have, in my mind, the maybe the Bills, maybe, maybe the Ravens. But, uh, I mean, this is – you're right. There's there's a couple of must-game wins – or must-win games, sorry, this week, uh, even in the short time we've even been talking about the NFL so far. Yeah. The uh, Cowboys taking on the Broncos, and the Cowboys about a 10-point favorite. We're going to pick this game – later on in the show. Cowboys are expected to get Dak back this week. They've had a really good balance when it comes to the passing game and the run game. Cooper Rush was phenomenal filling in for Dak last week, and that offense still uh, was like a well-oiled machine. Meanwhile, for Denver, they've lost four out of their last five games. They just traded away Von Miller, and now they sit at four and four. Teddy Bridgewater's playing really well, but he's not getting much help around him. With trading away Von Miller, with losing four out of their last five, Tom, it feels like Denver's already throwing in the towel on this season. They're getting ready for next year to make some big moves, whether it's you know clearing that coaching staff or trying to make a move for Aaron Rodgers, whatever it may be. I feel like Denver has already given up here. Oh, yeah, of course they have. I mean, they're after, you know, you, you trade away your franchise player, the last, probably the last one from that Super Bowl team. Um, and then, you know, after that, you know, the players must feel like, well, this is it. You know, granted, it's probably a smart move by Denver to trade Bond. They weren't going to keep him. He's aging. He's been a little injured. You get a second and a third round pick for a guy that's, you know, essentially on an eight game rental for the Rams that was going to leave anyway. Um, so tough decision. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, I feel for Broncos fans. You get someone like that and you trade them away. It's like, you know, it's like for the Thunder trading away Russell Westbrook at that point. You know, so I feel for him there, but he does go to my team, so I'm a little happy. But, um, you know, it does feel like they're throwing in the towel a little bit. I mean, granted, with where they're at, probably with the talent there, probably wouldn't couldn't make a playoff run for or a divisional run. And you got the Chiefs, Raiders, and the Chargers who are all playing, you know, Raiders playing well. Chargers kind of fallen off and the Chiefs and Chargers are, you know, midway, but you're not going to catch them. Uh, so I, I'd say they're probably throwing it in. I don't, and I don't blame them. Yeah. The uh, Texans take on the Dolphins. Uh, not going to spend much time on this game. Both teams are one and seven, but the headline from this one is Deshaun Watson is not having to face his former team. Sean's still in Houston. He's not going to play again the rest of the year. Uh, hasn't played all season, and the Dolphins didn't get this trade done. Um, how about that? What a bizarre situation that would have been, Tom, if Deshaun would have been traded and had to face Houston this week, but it, it ultimately didn't happen. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I didn't, I didn't realize Miami's one and seven. Yes, I did not. You know, Flores got to be on the hot seat. Yeah, and what's odd about that is we've spent the last two years talking about how much we liked Brian Flores and what they were building there in Miami. And this season, you know, people point to the Chiefs being disappointing, and rightfully so. The Dolphins have been the most disappointing team in the NFL, I feel like. Um, there's just no excuse for them to be 1-7 and seven with that roster, even if Tua hasn't played great. They have enough talent around them. They should be better than what that record is. Falcons take on the Saints. Saints at five and two. The Falcons at three and four. And last week we saw a great performance uh, from uh, uh, the uh, the backup quarterback there for the uh, New Orleans Saints that uh, came off the bench at uh, Trevor Simeon. He was just 
phenomenal. And I think that he took the title of goat away from uh, Tom Brady based on uh, transif- transitive uh, property, you know, how that works and such. That, that belongs to Trevor mm-hmm. Simeon now. Uh, nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I don't think that we're going to see Jameis Taysom Hill's questionable based on what we saw from Trevor Simeon, how bad the Falcons are. I think the Saints uh, are going to be just fine. And credit to Sean Payton for being able to have his quarterbacks ready. You know, we talk about replacing Drew Brees and such. Whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis or Trevor Simeon, whatever, uh, Sean Payton has had his quarterbacks ready to go. I give Sean Payton a lot of credit here for the coaching job he's done to have this team at five and two here. Yeah, I think you're right. And and to be honest, uh, you know, he might be – he's up there for coach of the year, in my opinion. Um, to do what he's been able to do, um, you know, no Michael Thomas for the rest of the season either, and they just keep on trucking. Uh, you know, whether it be Taysom or Simeon, for, you know, for the rest of the year will be interesting to see. Maybe a little bit of both. Uh, Sean Payton will figure it out, though. Yeah. The uh, Raiders taking on the Giants. This is a game that we're going to pick coming up later on. Tom, with the Raiders going through their problems, we mentioned Henry Ruggs being released with – uh, John Gruden, of course, uh, departing a couple weeks ago and all that's gone on there with Vegas. We know the Giants have potential. They almost beat the Chiefs on Monday night. They beat New Orleans just a couple weeks ago. To me, this screams trap game for the Las Vegas Raiders. I will not be shocked one bit if the Giants pulled this off. Neither will I. You know, I think the Giants are a lot better than the record shows. You know, Saquon, I don't think he's going to be back this week or maybe next week, but I, I told you before, I'm a big Daniel Jones fan. Uh, I, I think the Giants are knocking on the door, to be honest. They're kind of like a, one of those teams that, you know, if it just went the other way just a little bit, uh, Giants are a lot better than the record shows. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they come out and just kick the door in on, on Las Vegas this week. Patriots taking on the Panthers, both teams at four and four. Tom, I feel like both these teams are going – in different directions. The Patriots are getting better each and every week. They're on a bit of a roll right now. Carolina started hot, but they've kind of hit a wall as of late. Yeah, they have. And, you know, they need McCaffrey back. Could be this week. Could be this week. And if it's not this week, probably next week. Maybe that gets it in gear a little bit because they were playing phenomenal when they had him. Um, You know, so Carolina, kind of in the opposite direction. You mentioned the Patriots. Trending upwards, um, you know. I think they get a wild card spot. They very well could. I mean, Mac Jones is throwing at a completion rate of over seventy percent right now. That's unheard of for a rookie quarterback. Uh, Mac Jones playing very well. Patriots look good at this point. Bills take on the Jags. Jags, you know, we, we did all that talk about Urban Meyer and what they went through a couple weeks ago. They're one and six. They have not won a game in the continental United States just yet. Uh, the Bills is five and two. Do the Bills win by 40 or 50? You know, I did, we very could see – very left, sorry, can't talk. Very well could see a repeat of Philly-Detroit that we saw this past week in, in the Bills versus Jacksonville. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to be put on his butt a few times. Uh, a few maybe, times. Maybe, yeah, that's yeah, that's I'm being generous. <laughs> I think you are. Vikings and Ravens. Uh, how does Mike Zimmer still have a job? Tom, you and I He's, are very pro firing coaches. I don't know how Mike Zimmer is qualified to be a head coach in the National Football League right now. 
Yeah, after blowing it against Dallas against a backup quarterback. Uh, yeah, it's 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 almost time. Uh, I mean, you know, between you, you that lose this, and you then the fact that they week. pay Kirk Cousins thirty-one million dollars, I question a lot of the decisions made in that organization. And it's not like they don't have great players. I mean, they got Dalvin Cook. They might have one of the best duos at wide receiver in the whole NFL, Justin Jefferson and Thielen. And they're just not doing shit. Uh, the defense obviously could be shored up a little bit, but that defense wasn't bad a couple of years ago. It's still not terrible, but they're just not. They just can't get it together. Meanwhile, the Ravens at five and two. We did all this talk in the preseason about how they were going to have issues at the running back position, that they had all these injuries that they had to overcome in sort of sorts. Now here they are at five and two. This team, I think that they've gone through their toughest stretch. This team is going to get healthier as the season goes along. They've gone through this uh, five and two record. A lot of people were questioning John Harbaugh saying that his practices were too difficult, that his guys were getting banked up too much. John Harbaugh actually probably just made his team tougher uh, in the process. Yes, there were some body sacrifice, but I'm not questioning John Harbaugh by the way he handled things based on the results that turned out. Right. I mean, it could be a lot worse. I mean, they've they've played in some close games. You know, they've. I feel like the Lions game was super close. Uh, you know, and they I'm trying to think they did lose to obviously Cincinnati in a game that was kind of a blowout, but. Um, other than that, you know, considering all things, the Ravens should be very happy with where they're at right now. I mean, and you mentioned it, they'll only get healthier. Uh, you know, Ravens are going to be there in the end or close, you know, in the AFC divisional or conference, I think. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Chargers taking on the Eagles. I have a lot of questions about this Eagles team. They look great one week and they lay an egg the next. Jalen Hurts has played fairly well. He's got, you know, 15 touchdowns and just four picks on the year. The Chargers have been so up and down here. I would lean towards the Chargers, but I don't say that with a whole lot of confidence because I don't know which one of these teams is going to show up. We've seen about five different versions of either one of these teams, Tom. Right. All the quotes, experts quotes, had picked Detroit to get their first win against the Eagles this past weekend. Um, I was looking back on who picked two, and about half of them picked the Lions. Uh, and then the Eagles just come out and uh, absolutely just obliterate uh, the Lions to the shadow realm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this isn't making any sense. I mean, the defense looked phenomenal, and, and Jalen Hurts did what he needed to do. Nothing, you know, nothing crazy. Uh, he did, you know, get away from a few tackles. He's definitely a lot more mobile than I thought. Um and, you know, Eagles look good. Are they going to look good this weekend? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not I'm not putting any money near this game. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll put the money, save it in the bank account, stay away as far as possible from uh, this one. Chargers taking on – or actually the Cardinals, rather, taking on the 49ers. The Cardinals only favored by one in this game on the road. The Niners have been one of the more disappointing teams in football. Garoppolo has been – hurt for much of the year this Cardinals team now you figure out okay how are they going to respond to a loss a game against Green Bay that really they should not have lost you had that one play the interception at the end of the game where Kyler Murray uh had a little miscommunication there with A.J. Green 
that should have been a touchdown and they, they should have won that game. Otherwise, they're 8-0 right now. Now we get our first chance to see how does this team respond to adversity. I'm very curious of where this team is going to come out. Tom, if where my concern would be, I think that we're going to find out who wins this game in the first quarter. If Arizona comes out flat, they'll lose. If they come out and respond well to that loss right out of the gates, they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, it is a divisional game, so maybe that's, you know, in their way. I am shocked that the line is is just favored by one just because the 49ers, you know, they've been injured. They can't really get it together. They don't know what they want to do. But the whole Trey Lance situation, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, some good games, and then some, maybe it's time to put Trey Lance in games. Um, so they're very inconsistent. And so you got to think, can the Cardinals just come out and punch them in the mouth. You mentioned it. Uh, you know, if they come out in the first quarter and absolutely just kick them right in the teeth, then sure. But, you know, I think for the Cardinals, after you lose a game like they lost, I think it's important to start hot. Because if you don't, you know, you get in that losing trend of, you know, you're, it messes with the energy. You know, I think, I, th- I think you know, and, and this is something that probably even Bill Belichick would probably say and has probably said, you know, it's always it's good to lose a game. You know, you're sure you want to win more than you lose, but if you're winning a whole bunch, it's always good to lose a game, bring you back down to earth. And so it'll be interesting to see if that's what it did to the Cardinals. Meanwhile, on the Niners side of things, with them at three and four, they had a disappointing year last year. And this team, when you look at the roster, that should be a playoff team with the talent that's there. Here they are underachieving again. Is it time to start? questioning Kyle Shanahan or we jumping the gun maybe on that a bit, Tom? You know, maybe a little bit. I mean, you have this fall from grace, essentially. Um, And a lot of the talk before the Cardinals started making moves, before the Texans gifted them DeAndre Hopkins, and before they honestly had some really good drafts. Before all that happened, it was the Rams and the Niners. You know, it was – it was – the, the other team other than the Cardinals is supposed to be the Rams 49ers in this, in this little, you know, town ain't big enough for both of us conversation that we're having, you know, we have about the Rams and the Cardinals now. That was supposed to be the 49ers, or so we thought. Um, and so now that it's not, where does that leave Sam Fran? You know, when Russell Wilson comes back for the Seahawks, they're going to go back to playing really good football. I think they've played – given everything that's happened in terms of injuries with Chris Carson and Russell Wilson, I think Seattle's played great. Um, You know, where does that leave the Niners? You're on the outside looking in at the toughest division in football. Um, You know, and I think maybe the staff understands that, hey, Kyle Shanahan, your team's had some injuries too. Uh, Kittle, not healthy. Garoppolo, you know, in and out with the Trey Lance ordeal. I don't know about the defense, but, you know, could be better. So what now? You know, where does that leave you? And I think a lot of people are probably questioning, especially if you're a Sam Fran fan, like, oh, shit, we're in trouble. <laughs> like, we're not making the moves. You got Cardinals trading for people, the Rams getting getting people in the door. I mean, obviously, Vaughn Miller coming in. You had the Seattle what, last year or the year before go after and get Quandre Diggs. Like, they, you know, what do you do? You know, if you're the, the Niners, they're just sitting by, letting time pass. They just haven't done anything. And, yeah. you know, in, in that division, you have to 
it's a it's a freaking arms race and uh, being a Rams fan that division I hate it but more more awareness from the Niners or you know they're gonna clear that stat speaking of the Rams they have a big game on Sunday night against the Tennessee Titans the Jeff Fisher Bowl Jeff Fisher's got to be there right they gotta like you know have him he's gotta like toss or you know the the, the final score the of the game anthem. The final score of the game is going to be the Rams seven winning nine. nine to seven. I hope so. <laughs> actually, I don't. That would be my. I'll be very nervous. I'm not even going to get to watch the game. I'll actually be at the uh, Spurs at Thunder on Sunday night. But um, you're not going to pour one for for Jeff Fisher. Oh yeah, I might pour cheap the cheapest beer and that you can get. I almost said Chesapeake. Now it's Paycom in Oklahoma City. You just pour out the cheapest beer for Jeff Fisher. Um, I you bet he watches. I bet he watches. Do you know? There's speaking of Jeff Fisher. There's been some rumors about him taking the USC job. Do they want to lose? I mean, maybe so. I mean, you, you, maybe Urban Meyer. I don't. I don't even know if you want to touch that even. But yeah, Jeff Fisher Bowl. They should really call it that. That should be the official name. They should play like once every. Two year, you know, every other year they should play for the Jeff Fisher Cup. Jeff I don't know, Cup. you know, the stat, the, the not the statue, the the trophy is just like a a, a mustache, right? And the Titans come up a yard short, right? The Rams have to keep uh, a guy named Mike Jones on the roster twenty four seven. It takes up one of the roster spots. <laughs> and the and the Titans, uh, you know, I don't know what they would, I don't know what they would do for their, but I'd say Steve McNair, but rest in peace. Right, man. Um, this game, we're, we're going to pick this later on. It has totally changed with the Derrick Henry injury. There is not a more important running back for a team in the NFL than Derrick Henry, and for the Titans. You know, I'm sure with Mike Vrabel and company, they would still love to run the football, but I don't know how much of that is going to be an option. When you look at the Rams adding Von Miller this week and such, it might require Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball 40 times if the Titans are going to have a chance in this football game, Tom. And uh, I like Tannehill. I think Tannehill's a good quarterback, but I don't know if I like him without Derrick Henry. I think that a lot of uh, the flaws in Tannehill's game have been masked by the run game of Derrick Henry. They've kind of hidden a lot of his flaws of sorts here. Now we get a true test to see how good Tannehill really is. Right, and then the Rams don't have to stack the box. Um, you know, Derrick Henry makes your defense super, super honest um, and, you know, even opens up the play action probably – Probably should have probably should open up a lot more than it even did, but you know that being said, now the defense doesn't have to be as honest. Now you know the Rams secondary can sit back and put Jalen Ramsey where he wherever he needs to go, run him all over the field, and put your best DB on AJ Brown and force Tannehill to throw. Um, and you know come up. I'm I'm saying at least Rams are getting two picks at least. I mean they're gonna. This changes the whole game plan for Tennessee. That so you know used to ground and pound. How much does does McNichols change the needle? How, how far does he move the needle back? How much does Adrian Peterson move the needle, if at all? 
I'm ve- I picked him up on fantasy. I'm very in- – because I had Derrick Henry, unfortunately. Um, how much does he move the needle? Well, I, I, what do you think? Is, is, is AD, is he washed? You think he's washed? Well, he was put on the practice squad. I don't know how much he's going to play this week. But he's looked fine, you know. I mean, they can use him in short yardage and, you know, th- those type of situations. I think that that's what he'll be used for. I don't know if he'll be this week or not, but – I thought it was a good pickup for the Titans to uh, add him at least to their arsenal. Meanwhile, the Rams, we mentioned how stacked that defense is. What about Matt Stafford? We've been talking about this MVP race, how many candidates they are. Matt Stafford's right in the thick of it. 22 touchdowns, just four interceptions, around 2,500 yards. Matt Stafford's played unbelievable football right now, and Cooper Cup has been arguably the best receiver in the league right now. Two-time NFC Offensive Player of the Month. I mean, doesn't get any better than that. Um, you know, their their connection is just unreal. And and to be honest, it's very shocking. It's it's not because how much I follow this team, but if you don't follow it, I think you people should be absolutely shocked. I've never seen a brand new quarterback come to a team. Granted, this doesn't happen. All you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback, which I think Matt Stafford is, doesn't come to you know that doesn't happen every day. That just a you know, it's Stafford is not Brady, but to be at this point in their career and then go to a contender and still be able to contend doesn't happen all the time. I get that, but what is it's kind of shocking to me is how well Stafford and Cup built that chemistry that quick. I mean, they almost have the Stafford-Calvin Johnson chemistry that they had. And, it's it, you know, on a, on a big grand scheme of things, it happened overnight. Yeah, I mean, Cup was never getting this from Goff. Granted, Goff can't throw the ball like Stafford can, but, you know, Goff had Woods. Him and Robert Woods had more of a connection than Goff and, and Cup. And then just from everything I heard in, you know, the OTAs and, and practice and in the offseason – that it was Cup and Stafford going. That was that was going to be it, and you know Cup's leading the league in reception yardage right now. It's it's Cup is that good. He is that good. Stafford is that good, and is just both of them have been able to elevate each elevate each other's play. Uh, it's been great to watch. Last game Monday Night Football: Bears and Steelers. We talked a lot about Tom teams that are better than what their record indicates. I think the Steelers are worse than what their record indicates. How does this team, how's this team above 500 right now? The Steelers, I don't know. The Steelers stink. Okay. I mean, plain and simple. I mean, last week they beat the Browns and Mike Tomlin almost cost his team the game by getting his kicker injured and calling a stupid fake field goal pass, which resulted in his kicker getting hurt. Um, you know, they beat the Seahawks in overtime when the Seahawks were without Russell Wilson. They somehow, you know, beat the Bills week one. I I don't understand how this team is four and three. I think they'll beat the Bears because the Bears have so many holes, so many weaknesses. But if the Steelers all of a sudden move to five and three, um, I'm like, okay, where did that come from? That doesn't make any sense to me where where this Steelers team is at right now. They are not a good team. And, you know, with where the Browns are at right now and, you know, granted five and three right now, you're right there with the Bengals. The Bengals, I think, are a lot better football team than, than the Steelers and so are the Ravens. But, I mean, they're kind of on the surge that the Patriots are on. But, I mean, 
the Patriots look a lot better than the Steelers, you know? It's just like, okay. I mean, the Steelers would would to have Mac Jones back there. And if this if this Steelers team had Mac Jones, uh, they would get a wild card spot. Unfortunately, they have decrepit Big Ben um, who needs to hang it up. But, you know, I get, get the history. You let him play it out. But it's – I mean, Jones, you're a Steelers fan. It's hard. That I, we were watching him this past weekend. It's hard to watch him play. Oh, it's like watching a tree just fall down. You know what I mean? I mean, it's tough. I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, how the mighty have fallen. This team would be better off with Mason Rudolph right now. No question. And that's that's saying something. Yeah. Um, if, if I'm the Steelers organization, I'm doing everything I can – to enter the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes this offseason? Oh, immediately. I mean, do what you need to do. I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, probably would be better off trying to even get Deshaun Watson. I mean, if you can't get Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that's, that's a I whole mean, other story. I mean, uh-huh. yeah, it's, very, it's a very risky, you know, thing. But right now, I mean. Especially that I, organization. You want to go from Big Ben to Deshaun Watson? Hmm. I mean, you yeah, okay, yeah, point taken. <laughs> I mean, it, it would fit the script. It would fit the script. It wouldn't be anything new for Pittsburgh. Maybe so. All right, we got uh, more to come here on the Jones Report. Adam Alexander going to join us next. Also got Coach Bo standing by for the football fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. Got a Big 12 breakdown later on, as well as our Tom Fullery story of the week. Stay with us as we're rolling along here on the Jones Report. <laughs> Joining us now here on the Jones Report this week is our buddy Adam Alexander from Fox Sports, the co-host of NASCAR Race Hub, host of NASCAR Race Day, also calling a number of college football and college basketball games throughout the fall and winter months. And he's got as busy of a schedule as anybody in a broadcasting over the next couple of days. And he joins us right now. Double A, always great to uh, connect, my friend. And uh, you got some great stuff coming up, it seems, the next few days. It's a fun time to be a sports fan, as, as you know, and, and you and I have so many things in common when it comes to the sports we cover and follow and, and enjoy watching. And I'm a big college football fan. I get a little college football. It's championship weekend in NASCAR. I, I got a little time on the NASCAR side and college basketball is, is firing up and, and just around the corner. And I get to do a little bit of that as well. So it's an exciting time. It's going to be very busy the, the next couple of weeks, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, tell us about these games that uh, you have ahead. Uh, one of them includes uh, my alma mater, Kansas, taking on Kansas State in the Sunflower Showdown. And, of course, uh, all this NASCAR coverage as well with the uh, championship on Sunday. Noon Eastern time on FS1 Saturday. It will be the uh, Sunflower Showdown, the 119th meeting for Kansas and Kansas State. And the Wildcats starting to play pretty good. You know, they – they had a little bit of a dip early in the conference season when Skylar Thompson was out there quarterback. And when, when he came back, he wasn't healthy. Uh, but, but they are starting to get his legs back and get them under him. And they're playing pretty well right now. They, they went to Texas Tech and had a game that, that they could have lost on many different times, right? They got down early and, and there were a lot of things that didn't go their way. But they find a way to win that game. They come back and, and handle TCU really with no problem over the weekend. And now all of a sudden it's like they put their problems behind them. They got confidence. Guys are getting healthy. And you feel like they're really starting to turn a corner. And, and you know, I kind of thought maybe that was happening with Lance Leipold in, 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 tech, in uh, Kansas in his first year there. 
couple of weeks ago, they get Oklahoma at home. They play really well. Uh, they, they lose the game ultimately, but you felt like it was a game that was sending them in the right direction. And then they go to Oklahoma State and things did not go their way. And, and they'll have their hands full, even though it's a home game in Lawrence on Saturday. But this is, this is going to be a fun one, no doubt. Yeah, uh, for sure. It's going to be a lot of fun on, on that front. And well, uh, let's go ahead and start there. Then we can transition to the, uh, the NASCAR side of things. Uh, when uh, you, you brought up that Oklahoma game, and uh, I was actually at the Xfinity race in Kansas that day and following my phone as things are going along. And I'm like, what is happening? It's down the road in Lawrence. And, and uh, I mean, just everything seemed to be going right for this Kansas team. Then last week, they lay, lay an egg against Oklahoma State. I'm just hoping, you know, as a, as a Kansas fan, just just be competitive. No one expects them to win Saturday, but if they can show any resemblance of what they did against Oklahoma, I think that would go a long way uh, here in this rivalry game, Adam, don't you think? Well, I think when you look at the history and the background for Lance Leipold, everywhere he's been, he's won. Uh, you know, in many cases, he's won at a very high level, Where whether it's when you look at the lower levels, of college football when he was at division three and winning national championships or what he was able to do in the mid American conference the last few years at Buffalo, he's produced winners, right. And it didn't always happen overnight. It took some time. Right. But I, I think if you go back and you look at his career, anytime he made a stop, there was a turning point where you know, knew this program was for real and you were going to have to show up if you were going to compete with him. He doesn't have that at Kansas yet, but you just wonder when that turning point is coming. And a home game against your rival is a perfect setup to have that day. Not suggesting that happens on Saturday. I think there are a lot of tough matchups for them when, when you break down the X's and O's of, of this game. But I, I do feel like eventually he's going to turn the corner and, and get it going. It's a tough job, as you know, but I think he's got as good a chance as anybody to make it happen in Lawrence when it comes to playing college football and doing it competitively on Saturday afternoons. Yeah, the flip side, uh, Chris Kleiman there at uh, K-State, his uh, third season has done a, a fairly good job these uh, first couple years. And, and we knew it would be big shoes to fill, taking over for uh, Bill Snyder there. And it seems like to this point, Adam, he certainly answered the call here. Yeah, and I talked to Coach Kleiman earlier today, and, and I asked him, you know, if, if you're an outsider and you look at the Kansas State program, what do you want people to see is, is the identity of, of this football team and this football program? And he said, well, we're not there yet. We're just not. And, and I, I felt like they were starting to gain their identity, which is kind of why I asked the question. He said, we've got a long way to go. The, the pandemic was an, an enormous setback for us. You know, he comes out, he makes a bowl in, in year one in 2019. Last year, it was, you know, it's difficult, right? You, you, you play a shortened season. You don't get as many games. It's a lot harder to make a bowl last year based on the, the numbers and, and all the stuff that everyone faced. I think this year, they're starting to get back on track. And, and I mentioned some of the, the adversity they faced. I, I think they're through that now. And if you look at what they're doing, you're seeing signs of who he and, and his team, you know, what, what they want to be. And, and, you know, they went on Saturday, they're bowl eligible and to be bowl eligible in, in two of your first three years of, of based on everything they faced, I think that would be a pretty big statement for them. Yeah, it would be. And uh, they're still in position to, uh, to get a decent bowl game uh, right in the, the middle of the pack of the uh, big 12 conference. Uh, Adam, what do you think of the, uh, the big 12 right now? Uh, three teams in the uh, top 12 in that uh, playoff poll that was released Tuesday night. 
You, you, you look at it, and uh, there's a lot to be decided, uh, certainly. Oklahoma, probably uh, the most shocking when you consider the, the results of, of the announcement on Tuesday night and where everybody fit in and the fact that, you know, they weren't in the top four. And I think there were a lot of people that thought maybe they, they would be. Uh, but, you know, I don't know how good Lincoln Riley's team is, but I do know that they win on a regular basis, and, and nothing replaces winning. And all this will sort itself out probably as we go – uh, throughout the year, but, but, you know, Oklahoma's the bell cow, but I like what Oklahoma state's doing as well. And, and, and they put up some impressive numbers. I, I think Iowa state has started to, to turn the corner and get their legs under them and, and take a step forward. And, you know, we talked to coach Kleiman earlier today. I, I think they felt like coming into the year, they could compete for a big 12 championship. And if they had not had some of the injury problems they faced, they might've been able to. Uh, because of the injury issues and the fact that they started 0-3 in league play, now they've had a reset that takes them out of the conversation. But there is a, a real good nucleus of teams. And, and as you start to look at the future of the Big 12, minus Texas, minus Oklahoma, you know, you're starting to, to look at who's going to carry the torch going forward. And, and one of the things I look at as far as wins on an annual basis is that Kansas State program and, and where they fit in the landscape at the top down the road. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think K-State's a good indicator of the strength of the Big 12 each year. If, if K-State's good, generally it's a good year for the Big 12, I think, is uh, one way you could look at that. What about the uh, the playoff poll? What was your reaction to when uh, it came out earlier this week of those first rankings from the committee? Well, you know, I'm not the smartest guy on that stuff, and, and there's people that, that dig way deeper into the numbers and strength of schedule and all that than I do. But, but in watching – the thoughts of the analysts last weekend and everybody has an opinion, as you know, many believe Cincinnati would be in there and that based on their strength of schedule, even though they're a group of five, that they, they went, you know, out and played some pretty good power five schools in the non-conference and, and, you know, and won those games. And, and so I think there were many that felt like that would be enough that they've messed around a little bit, right. The last couple of weeks. And, and I think that hurts them because you, you want to leave nothing on the table. And, and I hate to say that because I'm not a proponent of you got to win by 35 or 40 every week to, to maintain your position in the poll. But I do think, you know, margin of victory hurt them a little bit in that first ranking. And, and that's probably why they weren't in the top four. But Cincinnati's the one that I thought would be in there that, that was not. You know, Georgia is, is a no-doubter at number one. You know, Alabama – you know, they're, they're, a, they're a good football team uh, and, and probably across the board and, and ultimately they'll end up being there anyway. And Michigan State's the one that's going to be interesting to watch because, you know, they, they've had some close games and they, they go to Purdue this weekend, which I know will be upset by them and has proven they can be, you know, pretty good programs when they went to Iowa and won convincingly a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, Mel Tucker's done a great job of getting that program turned around. If they can hang on, it, it will be very impressive. And, and Ohio State is, is waiting in the wings if Michigan State can't finish the deal. And uh, real quick, before we kind of move on, I think this is a great way to transition. Uh, uh, you're hearing a lot from uh, Larry Mack, I imagine, about Alabama these days, aren't you? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We, we were on the air uh, Sunday, I guess it was, and we were talking about Chase Elliott. And, you know, great time to be Chase Elliott because you're on the doorstep of another championship and the Georgia Bulldogs are number one and the Atlanta Braves are, you know, real close to winning another World Series. That was was before they were able to finish it off. And 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 so we're having this conversation about Chase and 
And he said, it's hard for me to admit that, that George is number one. And I said, well, well, Alabama didn't even win over the weekend, Larry. And he said, <laughs> Alabama had a bye. So uh, I have to take every opportunity to get under Larry Mack's skin. That's for sure. <laughs> that's great. Uh, Adam, uh, let's talk about the uh, championship four. Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. What's it going to take to uh, win the title uh, between these four? Who, who, Kyle's got to be the heavy favorite, right? You know, it, it's it's funny. We've had this conversation a lot recently, and Jamie McMurray, who's one of our key guys at Fox as an analyst and, and was a longtime teammate of Kyle Larson, has been singing his praises all year. And, and we joke about how every week, you know, Jamie picks Kyle Larson to win the race. And and I would say nine weeks out of ten, you would pick him to be the, the favorite because they've just been that good all year. And, and obviously he's won nine races, and you could make the argument with the second place finishes and, and some of the other events where he's dominated, maybe had some bad luck. He, you know, he'd be looking at 12 or 13 wins right now. But when you look at this one race to decide it all, you probably handicap it a little bit different. And I'm not sure Phoenix is the best track for Kyle to try and, and go to win this championship. And, you know, Vegas odds, maybe because of the nine wins this year, are, are going to make him the favorite. I've not seen what, what the betting folks are doing. But based on past performance, I, I, would, I would probably lean in another direction on a favorite. I would probably make it Martin Truex Jr. because he won at Phoenix earlier this year. And, and I could make a pretty strong case for Chase Elliott, too, because of what he did there last season. And the fact that this year I think they go there with no pressure. I, those would probably be my top two for, for Sunday. I know that sounds crazy, and I think Larson's had an unbelievable year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won it but I wouldn't rank him number one out of the four that are, that are still alive. That's fascinating to me because uh, you mentioned with Phoenix, with Kyle, um, as well as he's raced in intermediate tracks and road courses and such, this, this track at Phoenix, does, it, it doesn't play to his strengths. This and then I guess uh, restrictor plate racing are kind of his, his weaknesses, if you want to call them that. Well, you know, he ran well there early in the year and he had two speeding penalties. And, and he's talked about how good they're car was when we when we raced there back in the spring but but the finish really doesn't tell you a lot because of the speeding penalties I, ironically enough he probably would have won martinsville or would have had a real good shot to win martinsville if not for two speeding penalties there so so you, you put a bit of an asterisk by his finish in the spring and the the one thing we don't know is how well prepared they will be going there because of the two wins they had early in the round of eight and, and they just they basically had their their free opportunity to go and get ready for Phoenix a couple of weeks early. So there are some factors that we don't know, and we'll start to see a lot more of that because there will be practice and qualifying this weekend, and, and that'll show the hand to some of those guys as well. But it's hard for me to ignore the fact that Denny Hamlin's won there twice, that Martin Truex Jr. won there earlier this year, and, and there's a lot of short, uh, short track characteristics at, at Phoenix. And, and the Gibbs cars have been incredible on the short tracks this year. Yeah. Gibbs versus uh, Hendrick. Hendrick obviously has been the dominating team of 2021, but the Gibbs cars have run so well in the playoffs. Tell me about that matchup. Uh, two Hendricks and two Gibbs here. Uh, who do you give kind of the edge to on that front? Who's Who do you think is going to be more prepared, better going in, uh, the Hendrick side or the Gibbs side? Well, you know, all year it's been Hendrick, as you said. And, and in fact, that the pretty big statement to me in that race on Sunday is, is late Kyle Bush, who needed to win and get in restarts on the front row with Alex Bowman and Alex Bowman blows him away. 
And, and that said to me, boy, those, those Gibbs cars just aren't quite where they need to be in relation to the Hendrick cars. Having said that, I think Denny Hamlin had the best car. And, you know, he starts at the back. He gets a speeding penalty. They had an issue on a restart. I mean, there are just a couple of different things that didn't go their way in that race. And he, if, if Alex Bowman doesn't get aggressive and drive under him with seven to go, Denny's, you know, Denny's going to win. And, and he's probably, you know, you're going to leave their thing and Gibbs has got the advantage. So it's difficult for me to go one way or the other on, on the Gibbs Hendrick thing, but just based on what Martin Trex Jr. did at Phoenix earlier this year, and knowing that Denny has won there twice, I would I would probably lean ever so slightly toward the guys from JGR. You've been around uh, Kyle Larson a lot. Uh, we all know the story about uh, you know what he's been through since uh, those comments he made you know last uh, last year and losing his ride and such. Uh, t- tell me about just you know him getting to this point and the journey that he's been on. I mean, this is quite the story. Uh, I-, I would think even if he doesn't win the championship on, on Sunday, the nine wins, just the way that he's rebounded and such. I mean, it, everybody's got to love a comeback. I, I love what Kyle's done. Tell me about that from your vantage point of just where Kyle's at compared to where he was before. Well, there, there's no doubt a year ago, you know, he wasn't sure if he would ever drive uh, in NASCAR uh, again. And, and, you know, regardless of, of what you do to put yourself in that position, I mean, that that's going to, you know, get your attention. And, and I think, um, you know, create some humility. And, and I think it did with, with Kyle. Um, and he's obviously taken a lot of steps um, to, to make his way back to NASCAR and have the opportunity to compete and, and all those things. But, but to me, I mean, you know, you just look at Hendrick Motorsports and their history mm-hmm. and the drivers that have accumulated the numbers that he is, you know, something similar to what he's done this year. And we're talking about Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson. I mean, that's the kind of season he is having. And regardless of circumstance, regardless of where you were before you entered any season, to be able to execute and do what he's doing is truly remarkable. And, he's doing it with a crew chief he had never worked with before. And I talked to, you know, we, we've had Kyle on a couple of times lately after he won at Texas, we had him on. And after he won at Kansas, we had him on. And I remember remarking to Jamie McMurray, you know, he, he seems just to really be rising to the occasion in, in every facet of his game. And, and Jamie said, I agree. I mean, his personality is coming out. He seems very loose. He just seems to be in a really good place. And I talked to Jeff Gordon recently, who, as we know, is, is one of the leaders at Hendrick Motorsports now. And he said Kyle couldn't be more humbled, more engaging, um, just a, a great representative of what they want to be right now at Hendrick Motorsports. He's in the shop. He's active with the team. He's given the feedback he needs and, and setting a great tone. And you know, I read a quote recently. Sometimes people believe success creates happiness. Other times, if you're happy, you can have a lot more success. I, mm-hmm. I think Kyle Larson's really happy right now, and I think that's opened the door for him to have a tremendous amount of success. Let's, uh, let's talk about Denny Hamlin now. We know about what happened between him and Alex Bowman and the exchange of words there at the uh, end of the race. And it seems like the last couple of years, Adam, when we've come to this championship race, whether it was Homestead or Phoenix, we were talking about Denny Hamlin and how much pressure there was for him to break through and get the title but that he came up short each of those times. It doesn't seem like we're talking as much about Denny Hamlin and the pressure to get the title this time 
comparably speaking to what we've done so in the past in these situations. Seems like he's not the the hunted right now, that he is playing the role of, of the hunter here. We, we made that comment, Tyler, last week on race day. You know, he did an interview with Michael Waltrip, and, and Michael asked him, you know, I haven't won a championship. And then he said, I want to. Don't get me wrong, I'm a competitive guy. I want to win a championship. I don't feel like I need to to complete my body of work. And, and that's fair, right? I mean, gosh, the guy's – you know, he's won 50 races at the top level. He's, he's right. won in every level of NASCAR. He's won at every kind of racetrack. I mean, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer right now. No, no doubt. There's no, no one could ever argue that Denny Hamlin is one of the best to ever do it. But if you're to analyze it and you're to overanalyze it, and that's what we do in our world today, uh, and not what's well represented. The one thing that's missing for Denny Hamlin is that championship. And, you know, the, the one thing I, I would say is that I will never, ever say anything trumps winning a championship. That's just not true in any sport. You can't put any asterisk on anything that trumps winning a championship. The one thing I would say, the format is different now. It's tough to make it just to the championship race. And Denny's done it three consecutive years and four times overall. I'm not at all going to say that we can trade in all these trips to the championship four to equal a, a, a title. I'm not going to say that three consecutive trips to the championship four is, is more difficult than winning the championship itself. But I do think there are other ways now to measure success. There, there, there are some added values to be placed on some of the accomplishments you can have in the format we're in now. And Denny is doing all of those things. You know, ha having said that, I, I think he would do himself – uh, a lot of favors from critics by winning on Sunday. And quite honestly, it'd be great for us. So, so we don't have to have this conversation anymore if you, if you want it all. When you look at these four drivers, if Kyle Larson doesn't win on Sunday, are the other three worthy champions? Do you think the format is working if the other three take it away from Kyle Larson? I do. I do because I, I, I look at, you know, Truex has won four times. And that's a tremendous season. Uh, I look at, uh, at Denny Hamlin, who's only won twice, both of them coming into playoffs. But we know he, he's been incredible. I mean, toe-to-toe -to -toe with Larson all year long for the regular season championship. And if he doesn't have the running with Chase Briscoe at, at Indianapolis and he wins that race, he may very well – Denny may very well be the regular season champion. And, and so that, that just explains and illustrates what a great year he has had. And when you look at Chase Elliott, he's got two wins on road courses. You could argue one of those shouldn't have happened at, at Circuit of the Americas because if everything had cycled through and the rain doesn't come, Kyle Larson probably wins that race. But he finished second a lot this year. You know, one, two finishes in, in NASCAR is a really, really good thing. And, and so I, I really – I think this is as good a championship for as we've ever had. I, I really do. And – um and so with that, I, I think whoever wins it, not because of what they've done in the first 35 races, but the fact that they beat those other three guys on Sunday, I, I think means, yeah, you're a worthy champion. Well, I look at it, a good comparison, Adam, is what we just saw in the World Series. The Braves, the team that won the least amount of games of anybody in the postseason, nobody's complaining about them being World Series champs. They took care of business when it mattered most. Same thing here. If Kyle doesn't win it, although having the most wins, then it would reflect that, you know, he didn't get it done in the championship race. I, that's what I would compare it to. It's almost identical to me in, in, in that comparison. Yeah, and, and, and to me, you know, I know there are a lot of people that 
that don't like this format. But the reality is, if we didn't have this format, Kyle would have clinched at Kansas. And, <laughs> and basically, Martinsville and Phoenix would have been lame duck races. And it would have been like, why do we even show up almost? And I like it that the San Francisco Giants had the best record in Major League Baseball. And, and all that got them was a couple of extra home games in the playoffs. That, that didn't get them anything else. And, and the same will be true as, as we go into the, the football playoffs in the National Football League first of the year and in the college football playoff and so on. You know, Georgia can run the table and win the SEC. But if they don't show up in January, they're not going to be national champions. And that's – I know you and I are sticking ball fans and we understand right. the concept. Racing fans are not used to that. But I think by being in this format, you open the door to bringing more fans in and, and I like it, and I think NASCAR likes it. And, and so whoever wins on Sunday, to me, there's no argument. They should be the champion. You know, uh, Adam, I was just talking to uh, my buddy David Starr the other day, and we were going back looking over just the season that's been in NASCAR of how many just historic things have happened from Kyle's great year to, uh, you know, the, the emergence of 23-11 racing and Bubba getting to victory lane, Kyle getting to victory lane, um, you know, just a number of things have gone, gone on. Michael McDowell went to the Daytona 500. This has been, Adam, I think, one of the best seasons ever. I mean, that comes to mind. I mean, it's hard to compare the thrill of this year compared to some of the seasons we've had. How would you compare this season to years prior? Yeah, and, and it's here and now, right? And so I think we always get, um, you know, a little bit more icing on the cake, uh, cake of the headline that's coming out today, and, and we tend to – um, you know, the old headlines lose their luster a little bit because the emotion that, that comes with what's happening right now. But I do believe that it's been an incredible year. And, and you touched on it. I mean, it all started with the Daytona 500. Uh, I would even reverse back before that. You know, the clash on the road course at Daytona and, and Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott, you know, getting together. And uh, I mean, across the board from from February to now, we, we've had some tremendous storylines uh, things that we never could have seen coming and not just on track. Think about the off track stuff with the silly season and the fact that Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin, um, you know, are going to expand their team and track house is going to grow and, and the purchase of Chip Ganassi racing and saying goodbye to one of the legendary owners, uh, you know, Chip has meant so much to the sport and Brad Keselowski buying into Roush Fenway and, you know, some of the Xfinity guys that are moving up and the truck guys moving to Xfinity. I mean, just across the board. Um, there's, there's a lot of life that's been breathed into the sport this year. And, and I think it's been outstanding. Yeah, I think so. Certainly has, uh, on that front. What are you looking forward to about 2022, Adam? What are some of the things that excite you about it besides just this, uh, next gen car, which everybody seems to be talking about too? Yeah, the, the next gen car is going to be big. Uh, so, so there's no question. That'll be something we all watch and talk about. Uh, but, but, you know, personally, the, the clash at the LA Coliseum, to me, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about turning points for football teams. I think this could be another huge pivot for NASCAR because there has been a lot that's happened in recent years that to me has changed the dynamic and the way we view the sport. But this LA Coliseum thing, if it goes like the people in the industry believe it will go, this could be a, a game changer that, that to me changes the landscape in many ways and opens a lot of doors for how things are done in the future. So I, I think that's that's enormous. It's the first thing we're going to see in 2022. I'm personally very excited, and, and I know I work for an organization, whether you talk about NASCAR or Fox, 
Um, you know, they're both very excited and, and anxious to see how that goes as well. And, and then the many storylines that will just come out. Can Kyle Larson, you know, back up next year what he did this year? Uh, the possibility exists Chase Elliott will be going for a third consecutive championship if he were to win, you know, on Sunday. And, and so, that, you know, when the sport's most popular driver is that ballot at the front, I believe that's exciting. How will Brad Keselowski do in his new venture with the Roush Fenway organization? You know, what's the future for guys like Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. And, and Denny Hamlin and these guys that are getting older? How, how much longer do they stay around? To, to me, the storylines will, will be plentiful as we go into 2022. Well, and, and Adam, one thing I look at, too, kind of big picture, it seems like, and, you know, you, you covered motorsports as a whole for speed for a long time. It seems like just motorsports in America right now is at a very healthy place. We've seen what F1's done, a big rise this year, and, you know, IndyCar ratings were up with, with Jimmy Johnson going over there and what NASCAR's at. It seems like just motorsports as a whole in the U.S. is just at a really good place at this point in time with NASCAR right on the forefront there. Well, and, and, and the reason for that, in my opinion, is the crossover that we are seeing in the various disciplines of motorsports. IndyCar racing a, a doubleheader with NASCAR at, at Indianapolis is big. You're bringing two worlds together. NASCAR racing on dirt at Bristol and what that does to bring the dirt crowd to NASCAR. F1 coming to America and racing on tracks where we see, um, you know, American motorsports competing on a regular basis. So, you know, to me, the rivalries within motorsports are being broken down. And those barriers that had been built up that, that said, if I'm a NASCAR fan, I hate IndyCar. And if I'm an F1 fan, I'm above NASCAR. If you know whatever those rivalries were, there were people that did not green light watching a dirt race on Tuesday night before going to an NASCAR race on the weekend. Now these worlds are coming together, and and to me, because fans now can can watch and and it's okay. You're not going to be beat up by your buddy for for enjoying a dirt race and something on asphalt. I, I think that has really helped the overall growth of motorsports in America. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it's gonna be great to see next year uh, with NASCAR back on dirt again and F1 with two U.S. races and all sorts of stuff. You mentioned the Clash, the Coliseum, gonna be a lot of a lot of fun for sure. Adam, before we go, uh, remind the folks uh, your very busy schedule ahead of what you've got coming up the next few days and where they can find you. We'll have football noon Eastern, uh, Kansas, Kansas State on FS1 Saturday, uh, ten o'clock Saturday night on FS2 Eastern Time. We'll have a good one in the Mountain West, San Jose State, going to Nevada. Nevada playing really well. It's a fun, fun brand of football. And both they got a future NFL coach. talent there, quarterback, right, at Nevada? Yeah, I mean, Carson Strong is good, yeah. but but both both tight ends are really good. Turner and Deese are spectacular. They'll be playing on Sunday, too, I believe. So, so that's a good one. And then race day is Sunday. And I, I want to say race day is 12 to 1.30, so noon Eastern time on Sunday. And and race hub on Monday and, and, and a full slate of college basketball next week. So a lot of things going on and, and boy, it's, it's busy, but it's exciting. And it should be a lot of fun. Adam will be watching. Follow this guy on Twitter at Adam one Alexander and check him out on FS one throughout the next few days with plenty of great action ahead in college football, basketball, and NASCAR. Appreciate the time as always, Adam. We'll talk to you down the line. Thanks for joining us, man. Thank you, Tyler. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online 
OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can reach out to Bo by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also by email, Brian.O'Connor at LPL.com. That's Brian with a Y, Dot O'Connor at LPL.com and on Facebook at O'Connor Advisory Group. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, good to have you back after a week off. Glad you're feeling better, my friend. What's going on? Yeah. Hey, thank you for having me. Yes, uh, sorry I was out last week. I just, I caught a cold and just it was bugging me for about six, seven days. So I finally got my voice all the way back, able to talk, and I don't sound like I've been gargling marbles for the last week. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's always good to be here. Man, uh, this is about a week and a half ago or so. I'm at Kansas Speedway, and I get a call from Bo, and he's like, I don't think I can do a show this week. I'm like, Bo, I understand. It's all good, man. You know, I mean, I, I we've all been there. But I'm uh, glad to have you back. Glad to see you're doing well, my friend. we got plenty to discuss on the uh, football fix this week. But before we do, Bo, tell us about – What's going on at OAG and then also the uh, Coach Bo podcast uh, this week? Yeah, let's do OAG first. So, hey, we did something really cool this week. Uh, we worked with a local mortgage lender, and we helped someone who was a 50-year-old guy, just changed jobs, and he was wanting to pay off some debt and trying to, trying to get a debt paid off so he can get a new mortgage. His wife wanted to buy a new place. And instead of taking money from his retirement account and paying off his debt, we were able to show a guy who's pre-60, pre-90 and a half, how he could use that asset to pay his mortgage as he goes and not incur any tax penalties. So it's really unique, something that's not something that everybody can do. I found a way for it to work. We got the mortgage lender involved and they were like, hey, if you can do this, it was a way for him to basically pay his mortgage payment with his retirement account and not have to use his regular income. And it was a really cool deal. So um, kind of a rare situation, but that's the kind of stuff we're doing for our clients. We want to get in there and say, hey, how do we become efficient with your money? And how do we help you get to the goals you have? So something unique, if you've got a unique situation, you just want some help. You're just like, is this possible? Give us a shout. Go to OAVJS.com and let us, let us work on something for you. We'll figure some way to help you. And if we can't, we're going to say, hey, this is not possible. Or Here's what you might have to run into, but we can help you. We want to be your partner. So thank you. Yeah. And uh, the podcast, uh, rocking and rolling as always. What's going on there? Coach, Coach Bono's podcast. We had to take a, a Monday off last week, um, but we're back at it. The point five was on Friday. This week we had just me uh, kind of just chatting up a couple of things kind of going through my head this past weekend. Sometimes you get fever dreams. And so I just kind of go, kind of rift on that on Monday, but then, uh, Coming up next week, we got a really cool interview next next Monday um, on our on our regular podcast on Monday. We've got Tony Wisdom, uh, former uh, music producer, got something really special. He's working on a project here in Lawrence, and I think people will really like his story. I think this is the best interview we've had on the Coach Bono's podcast. So that'll be next Monday. So jump in and see that. That'll be on the ninth for the eighth. I'm sorry, the eighth. Yeah, download and subscribe. New episodes out each and every Monday and Friday. The Coach Bo Knows podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts, you can download today. Let's start out with the picks against the spread this week. And to give you an update on the standings, folks, Bo is in great shape right now. He is 
49-40-1 after going 6-4 and four last week. That puts him in first place in the standings. Uh, I'm about two games back after going 6-4 and four last week, 47-42-1 overall. Tom, last week, not so hot, 5-5, five and five, puts him three games behind. Bo at 46-43-1. And, and then uh, TJ, after a great start to the year, has uh, fallen off the mat. We knew that was going to happen. He's 5-5. Five He's uh, 43, 46, and 1 on the season. We knew season. that was coming. We knew it was coming. It was only a matter of time. So, Bo, let's go ahead and uh, show you the slates of games this week. On the college side, it's number 13, Auburn, taking on number 14, Texas A&M. The Aggies, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Number 17, Mississippi State, taking on Arkansas. The Hogs favored by five. Texas taking on Iowa State. Iowa State favored by six-and-a-half. Tennessee at number 18, Kentucky. It's a pick em. Meanwhile, number three, Michigan State and Purdue. Michigan State favored by just three. In the National Football League, the Titans and the Rams. Rams favored by seven and a half at home. The Packers and the Chiefs. The line we put out there was based on after Aaron Rodgers uh, was out due to COVID. We thought that was fair for the pick this week, and that put the Chiefs as a seven-point favorite. Patriots and Panthers, Patriots favored by three and a half. The Raiders and the Giants, the Raiders favored by three. The Broncos taking on the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys favored by 10 at home. Let's start with the college slate with Auburn and AM. AM favored four and a half. Bo, who you got? This was a hard game. So I want to say something real quick, though. We have, you notice that in the last few weeks, I've had the right at 500, five and five or six and four, and then I blow up to an eight and two you know, nine and one kind of week. Folks, I went six and four last week. That means I should, in theory, blow up this week, but I do not have a real good feel for a lot of these games. So if you're fading me, at your own peril. So uh, you asked Auburn and AM, and you got AM four and a half points here. I kind of like AM. Auburn seems to be that team that's good one week, bad the next, good one week, bad the next. They just outplayed themselves last week, and I, I, I like a and I think they're going to kind of get hot because they've got a chance of getting to a high bowl game. Jimbo's playing to try to get himself a new contract because of all the LSU rumors. So I'll take a and in this case, and I'll lay the four and a half. I'm going to go with A&M as well. I'm riding the hot hand. A&M's playing as good as anybody in the country the last couple of weeks, not named Georgia. Um, they've been so impressive. They're at home, favored four and a half. Auburn's done – Really well under first-year head coach Brian Harson, but I got to ride with Jimbo and the boys to cover four and a half. Mississippi State taking on Arkansas. Arkansas favored by five. Bo, um, Arkansas, I'll say this. Credit to Sam Pittman for the job that he's done for this team getting to this point. But they've come back down to reality, and I don't take anything away from them for that. It was only a matter of time. He's coached them well above the talent that's actually there um, I like Mississippi State to cover. I don't know if Arkansas wins outright, but I think Mississippi State can at least keep it within five. I'll go with Mike Leach and company at that five-point margin. I think Mike Leach is going to score some points this week. You know, um, Arkansas started came out the gate. They were 4-0. They were great and looking good, and they got it put on them a couple times by, by UGA, which that puts it on everybody. They lose a squeaker, 51-52 to – Old Miss lose to Auburn. They got a big win last week in a non-con game. You know, those, you know, directional school kind of things. But I think that uh, it's kind of midnight Cinderella on Arkansas for the rest of the season. 
And uh, I'm going to go not only with Mississippi State on the spread, but I like Mississippi to win the game. Okay. Uh, certainly could see that being the case. Texas and Iowa State, the Cyclones favored at six and a half. Bo, Texas has really hit a wall the last couple of weeks. Iowa State, they looked like they turned a corner with that win against Oklahoma State and then respond with a loss against West Virginia. Two teams struggling to find an identity right now. Cyclones favored six and a half. So this was a tough one for me. Um, this is the hardest game for me to pick. You're right. It's like Iowa State was on, and they had the one bad game. And it's like, what, what's going on? They, they, they played so well against Oklahoma State. They come up, lay an egg last week. Texas has not been good, but Texas can score some points. I'm only taking Texas because I'm getting six and a half here. I think it's like a three or four point game. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope Iowa State just throttles them but I'm going to take Texas plus the points. I'm going with Iowa State because as far as I know, none of their assistant coaches are married to strippers that have monkeys that bite children. Yeah, well, and those are all things that are, are worthwhile, I guess, except for the biting of the children. I mean, you've got a monkey, that's great. And strippers, I mean, it was, it's always fun to have strippers. <laughs> so you can edit that out later. Uh, that might be a, a drop. I, I might need to say <laughs> it's always good to have strippers. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, this is this was this was by far the hardest game for me this week. But, when that news I mean, came out this week, you didn't even have yeah. to tell me the school. Texas would have been my first guess. I, I it would have been one of my first few. Yes. <laughs> yeah, all things happen in Texas. Boy. Not everything <laughs> is bigger and better there. All right, so you're riding with Iowa State as well. No, no, no. I picked Texas. I picked oh, you picked Texas. Texas. Okay. All right, I got Iowa State, you got Texas. Tennessee taking on number 18, Kentucky. This one's a pick Um, Kentucky has had a really good year for their football program, led by head coach Mark Stoops. Meanwhile, Tennessee, with their new head coach, Josh Heupel, they've been put, able to put up points throughout the year. It looks like they're getting better each and every week. Bo, I got to ride with the home team, Kentucky, here. Um, but I think Tennessee will compete. I think this is an, a, a sneaky good game here. I think it's a sneaky good game, too. And this is another tough one. Um, Tennessee's four losses are to Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, and then Pitt early in the season. Um, Josh Heupel's doing a good court, doing a good job there. I just I like Kentucky's defense. And so I'm going to take Kentucky. Um, again, this is a tough slate. Uh, but I like Kentucky in this game, too. All right, one more college game for you. Number three, Michigan State taking on Purdue. Michigan State favored by three. They got a big win last week against their arch rivals, the Michigan Wolverines. But Purdue has been known to play spoiler in 2021 with a big upset win against Iowa. They had a nice win last week on the road against Nebraska. This game, Bo, the line at three, I know it jumps out to you that, you know, hey, the number three team in the country is only favored by three points. But I think this is more about Purdue, though. Well, I don't think Michigan State's the number three team in the country. I think they're there because they're Michigan State. They beat Michigan last week. Um, having said that, I'm taking Michigan State and laying the three. But I, I don't think that Purdue is especially good. I mean, they've got losses, Notre Dame, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's been a fraud. Um they don't score a lot of points. I do think Michigan State just outscores them here. Um, I think three is a little low, so I'll take Michigan State here. I think Michigan State's out to try to prove they did a third rating. I think the big thing for Michigan State's next week when they play Ohio State. Yeah, 
I think you're right. I'll go with Michigan State here. I think they, they can win this by seven or ten points, but I would be surprised if it's a blowout by any means. Let's move on to the NFL. The Titans take it on the Rams. The Rams is seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They bring in Von Miller to add to that already loaded defense. The Titans, without Derrick Henry, potentially for the rest of 2021. Bo, before you make your pick, what does the Titans' offense do now that they don't have Derrick Henry? Well, it's a big deal. It's a big blow. I mean, you cannot expect Ryan Tannehill to go out there and throw 40 times and beat a team. Uh, but that's what they're going to have to do for a couple of weeks, or they're, they're going to have to be a committee on running the football. The Titans' offense is so predicated on running the football. Um, so they're going to have to find the right mix of two or three guys. And then they signed Adrian Peterson to their practice squad. They're going to try to bring him in. That would give them somebody they can use on a third and short, you know, maybe a first down kind of thing. But it's going to be a committee. Um, the Titans went from being one of my picks, again, they're my preseason AFC champ. Uh, but with no Derrick Henry, it's going to be really hard for them to, to keep that consistency of the offense because he alone keeps the sticks moving. And so I think that's a tough deal for them all around. That was probably the, the one player, not a quarterback, that a team could not afford to lose in the entire league. Yeah, he was a candidate for MVP. You know, we, we yeah. talked about that just a week or two ago. Yeah. The Rams favored at seven and a half. Bo, I, I still think the Titans can keep it within that margin. Now, I know that the Rams defense – which was already good, just got a whole lot better adding Von Miller. But I like the Rams to win the game. I just think that's too many points. Well, I like the Rams to win the game too. Um, and I don't think Von Miller is going to come in there and just all of a sudden just start getting sack after sack after sack. I think that trade is for a couple of games. I think it's for a couple of situations. I'm going to bring him in third and long in a big late game situation, you know, to where you have one less body on Donald because you have to be worried about Von Miller. Um, but I do think the Rams are going to cover here. This was the first week of the Titans without Derrick Henry. It's going to take them time to figure out that running game. And I think because of that, they're going to have some offensive stalls. We've seen the last couple of weeks, the Rams could throw some points on the board. So I, I, I like the Rams. Packers and Chiefs. The Chiefs favored by seven. No Aaron Rodgers. We'll dive more into that in just a second. Bo, the Chiefs have done a terrible job when it comes to covering the spread this year. And I know that Jordan Love is starting and not Aaron. I get that. But I got to ride the wave of momentum. I'm not putting any money on the Chiefs covering any spread. Seven points. That Packers team is still loaded, even without Aaron there. Um, I think the Chiefs win, but seven points. I can't trust the Chiefs right now. I got to go with the Packers to cover. I don't trust the Chiefs. That's all I have to say. I'm taking the Packers and seven. I am. I just – I, I don't think the Chiefs are a very good football team right now, just frankly. I mean, they're just not that good. They're an average NFL team. And I don't know that Jordan Love's going to come out there and rip it around, but he's, I think he's going to be competent. He's got some targets. they got a run game. Chiefs can't play defense. Can't that stop the run either. Stuff. Can't stop the run. Can't stop the run. Can't stop the pass. They can't stop anything. Can't Those stop, stop a nosebleed right now. <laughs> yeah, beat me to it. Yeah, so I, I'm taking the Packers. And – I'll tell you now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers went even without Aaron Rodgers here. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm not, betting on, the, I'm not betting on the Chiefs till I see them consistently run the football and quit doing these knick-knack plays. At those, when I see those two things, I'll believe in the Chiefs again. Till then, I don't believe in the Chiefs. And I don't think the Chiefs are making the playoffs. I need to see the Chiefs take care of the football. 
Yeah. Enough with the turnovers. You know, protect the football, protect the lead. My goodness. Um, Patriots and Panthers. Patriots favored by three and a half. And there's some rumblings, Bo. Some people think the Patriots have turned a corner here. Are you buying or selling the Patriots heading in the right direction? Well, I think they're in the right direction. I, I think the problem is they're not going to win their division. I mean, they're kind of in the situation the Chiefs are in. I mean, they're the team ahead of them. And in New England's case, case, it's actually a better team in Buffalo who's way ahead. Um, they've won three out of four. They played that Cowboys loss closer than everybody thought they would. Same with the Tampa. Bill, yeah. I, Bill Belichick finds a way to keep his teams in games. And I, the Panthers aren't anything special. So I'm going to take the, the Patriots here and lay three and a half. I like the Patriots here too. The Panthers started off so hot, but yeah, um, Sam Darnold kind of fell off the wagon and the run game, you know, went away with McCaffrey and such. He dealt with some injuries there. I like the uh, Patriots to cover three and a half on the road against Carolina. The Raiders taking on the New York football giants, the Raiders favored by three. Henry Ruggs is gone. We'll talk about that here in just a second. The giants played very tight to the chiefs on Monday night. And they did so without Saquon Barkley. They got Sterling Shepard back. Um, the Raiders are playing with an interim head coach. They've been through so much. A lot of this is going to catch up with this team eventually. The Giants have had a couple moments this year, you know, whether it was the New Orleans game they pulled off on the road or, um, you know, Daniel Jones has played fine. Uh, you know, he's had you know some moments here and there. Bo, I like the upset. I like the Giants not only to cover. I think that they went outright at home here. I think the Raiders, we're going to start to see them fall apart here and, and get exposed here. Well, I like the Raiders. Um, I like the Raiders. Uh, I think that they're – the whole difficult thing with them is that they, you know, have gotten um, – you know, they had to come up to buy a week, which I think helps. You had the firing of Gruden. And so they got staff kind of in flux, but they kept everybody there. And winning the two games, winning at Denver, winning against Philly, again, neither team is a great team. But the Giants aren't a great team either. And I think no. the Giants may have played their best best Giants type of game this past week against the Chiefs. Um, I like the Raiders. I don't – I'm not on the bandwagon that the Raiders are a, are a bad team. And I think I'll take the good team against the team that I'm not sure is a good team, the Giants. I, I, I don't have a real good feel on this one. The thing I'm most worried about is the Raiders coming across the country from us to New York. But, yeah, a bye week before that, I think it helps. So I'll take the Raiders. Last one, Broncos and Cowboys. Cowboys looking like one of the best teams in the NFC right now. They're favored by 10 at home. Bowl. 10 points for the Cowboys. Is that too much? Well, okay, I have a question because I don't know this. Is Dak playing? Um, that is still up in the air. It leaned towards yes, but it's not a guarantee. Okay. If Dak Prescott is playing, the Cowboys are, are, are for real. They're, they're for real. They're a good team. As long as they're – if Dak Prescott's taking the snaps and they're running the football, I will buy in. That's a really good ex- – they're a, definitely a playoff team. They can be a Super Bowl contending team if they run the football. If Dak's not playing, they're going to have to run the football. That I think actually helps the Cowboys 
I'll take the Cowboys here. I think the Broncos have got to let the air out of their their tires here a little bit, also trading their their leader in, in Von Miller. I'm with the Cowboys here too, and I got to tell you, looking at Cooper Rush, the way he stepped in last week, last minute for the Minnesota Vikings, you know, against that game against the Minnesota Vikings, that told me that they have something figured out that's bigger than Dak. Dak is an MVP candidate, of course, but Kellen Moore is looking like one of the best offensive minds in all of football. And I think the Cowboys need to do whatever it takes to keep Kellen Moore there in Dallas, even if that means firing Mike McCarthy at the end of the year to keep Kellen Moore and make him head coach, do it. I'm all in on Kellen Moore. He's going to be an excellent head coach someday in this, in this league, maybe next year, whatever it may be. But that's what I like with Dallas is that coaching staff with Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn, Dak playing at a high level right now. Watch out. The Cowboys are a legit football team. And I think it's in large part, not just due to Dak, but Kellen Moore. I think that's what I would do if I was Dallas. Uh, and, you know, what you look at Jerry Jones's history, who knows? Maybe he would be the type of owner to say, you know what? We got to keep Kellen. He's our head coach going forward. Could you see that happening, Bo? I could, actually. I could see that happening totally. I think that Jerry's just Jerry enough to do it. Um, I don't know that he will, but I think he can. I, I my big thing is what the Cowboys have done is they run the football. They have balance in the offense. If you have balance in the offense, you can play. And their their offensive line's playing great. They're running the ball consistently. Zeke's had a nice like, bounce back year. Yeah, he yes, he has. He's had a real nice year. And the other kid, I, I Tony Pollard. Thank you. That's the one. He's been great in spots. I mean, flat out great in spots. Um, great change of pace when they needed him to go get, you know, five or six carries in a row, they ride the hot hand. I like that. I think the coordinator's done a great job. I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan at all. So definitely could see them making some kind of a situation where they say, Hey, you know, uh, Kellen Moore stays and McCarthy goes, but uh, yeah, I can see that. And I, I think the Cowboys are for real. My caveat is they do need Dak in the long run. And as long as the Cowboys offense runs the ball as many times as they throw it, I think they're going to be really hard to beat. Yeah, I think you're right about that. All right, a couple more things I want to cover in the NFL. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers out this week due to COVID-19. We knew last week that they were without some of his top targets. Devontae Adams uh, did not play as well as Alan Lazard as they were in COVID protocol. And they still won even without those guys on the road against Arizona who – uh, had the best record in the NFC at the time. Now you don't have Aaron Rodgers here. Look, look, I looked at this as two things, Bo. And the things, here's what I look at, is that this is a golden opportunity for Jordan Love to go out there on a big stage against the defending AFC champions, to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes. Jordan Love can really make a statement here. And then on the flip side of this, too, I look at this is a huge break for the Kansas City Chiefs. They would not have been expected to win. I know Vegas had them initially as a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but most of the country was picking Green Bay. And now the Chiefs trying to still fight for their division, trying to get a wild-card berth. This might be the break they needed of not having to face Aaron Rodgers. I also feel so disappointed that we've been deprived of this Rodgers-Mahomes matchup again we were supposed to get it two years ago. Mahomes gets hurt. Matt Moore plays. Now Rodgers has COVID. 
and we're not going to see it happen. Uh, Matt, what, what a shame that we're not getting this game. We're getting that we're deprived of this for a second time now in three years. I'm not even mad about that. I feel personally hurt and offended by Aaron Rodgers. I am the Aaron Rodgers apologist. This is the guy that I have said time and time again, what the most, he's the most productive. He's the most skilled quarterback I have ever seen. I feel lied to. I feel like I've been bamboozled. And he told people he was immunized. He didn't say he didn't have, he didn't have a vaccine. I feel like I've been lied to. And I think that the hard part for me on this and is that he's lied to his team, his teammates, the organization, everybody around him in that locker room, even just the employees. And he's put them all at risk because of this. And he's lied to all of us. I, I, I kind of find this unforgivable in a way. I mean, this is, I, I'm hurt and offended by this. And I'm not even mad that he's not playing against the, against the Chiefs this week. I think that the, I do think they would have blown the Chiefs out of the water had Aaron Rodgers played. But I, I'm just, I'm going off the other side of this right now. I think Aaron Rodgers owes his teammates, every person in that facility, the fans, he owes a lot of apologies to people. He better be buying trips to Cancun for every employee in the facility. I mean, something like that. I just He's lied to him. He basically has lied this whole time. I'm glad he didn't get the Jeopardy job, man, because this just, it, it, to me, this is unforgivable. I mean, is, is he the cause of all the, we don't know this, but is, is he the cause of all the guys who got COVID last week? That we don't know. Yeah. And what I wonder too is you hear Aaron talk about how upset he is with the culture in Green Bay and how things have been handled. And, you know, we know of some things that he's done that he said. And then when this type of thing goes down, it makes me think, Bo, as much as I like Aaron and you like Aaron, how much is he a part of the problem of the culture in Green Bay? Maybe a lot of it. And the thing that makes me angers me about it is that not only that, it's he's blamed the culture and, and this and that. And, and it, yeah, it's part of it. We see some of the issues where, they're not talking to the star player, but it, it's just so frustrating to see this. I mean, you have other players in their locker room get COVID. He's not vaccinated. He's an intelligent man. And I'm not even saying you have to get vaccinated. You don't want to get vaccinated. That's, you got every right. If you get, you got to pay for the consequences in my view. And then if you're going to not be vaccinated, but you're going to live to where you're not trying to harm others, Fine. I really have no issue with that. But we saw pictures on Instagram of him this past week on Halloween dressed up as John Wick at a party. And now he's got COVID. He should have, he should have known better. He should have known if he didn't get vaccinated, not put himself in those situations. And so now I can see where I do see where some of the, the franchise gets upset with him about some things. Because clearly he's not making great decisions across the board either. So this is this is going to be a, a messy divorce for these two divorced in the, the season. And you know we kind of talked. You know we talked a lot in the offseason about this marriage between the Packers and the, and the and Aaron Rodgers. We thought, well, as long as they keep winning, it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. And this is the one thing that spoiled it now.
Now he's going to have to come back. And when he does come back, he's going to have to play so well that that's the only way he can be forgiven by that franchise is to take them deep in the playoffs and play like the MVP. I'm, I'm hurt. I mean, like I said, I'm not a Packers fan, but I'm a Rodgers fan, and I, I'm offended by this. So that, that's my take on this. How about Jordan Love here? What about the opportunity yeah. that's ahead for him? Yeah, because it here's does what help I look Packers at. in that way. Here's what I look Packers at, Bo. Let me finish. Um, is that yes, it is a golden opportunity for him to prove something, but I would be surprised if Matt Lafleur really lets him unleash because just looking at game plan wise, granted, I'm not Nexus and O's guy, but it doesn't take a genius to tell you, you know, the Packers have really good running backs with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. The chiefs have a bad run defense. Hmm. Their best bets probably to run the football a whole lot and open up the play action passing game. I mean, like that's where I look at. Yes. It's opportunity for Jordan love, but really how much of an opportunity is it when that's not their best path forward for victory? I think we're going to see a different offense under Jordan love than what we would typically see with Aaron Rodgers. I think you will see more running plays. I think you'll see it then run the ball more. Obviously they're not going to let him come out, sling it 50 times. That's not a, that's not a winning uh, profile in the NFL anyway. It's just not. So, right. I mean, I think they'll be fine. They're going to run the football. They're going to, you know, they're going to run it right at the Chiefs as often as they can. They're going to find matchups. They're going to look for any time they can see Daniel Sorensen anywhere near Devontae Adams. They're going to throw him the football. He's got five uh, days to learn who Daniel Sorensen is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, that's what I'd be looking for. I'd be film all week and be like, hey, Jordan, this is the guy you got. 49. See him? Look that side of the field. Um, every time, 49. Every time, we're going over there. We're going over. You can point it out. I said, oh, over here, over here. You know what I mean? That's what you're going to do. I mean, just point it out. Um, yeah. I Like I said, I, I picked the Packers in the game. I, I think they, I, you know, I picked them with the spread, but I think they could also win the game. And I think that Jordan Love's going to be capable. For the Packers, it's a good thing for them because they. it's not a good thing in the overall. But they – do know now they'll be able to see what Jordan Love looks like against the first string defense in a big game and during a regular season because he's their quarterback next year, win, lose, or draw. So it, it's not a te- it's not terrible, terrible. You know, there is a positive, there is a ray of sunlight there, but I, I, overall, I'm disappointed in Rodgers. And you know, for the Packers, they'll figure out what they can do with Jordan Love. Last thing on this, then we'll move on. Let's play a doomsday worst-case scenario. If Jordan Love just sucks this week and then ends up playing again next week and is just god-awful, just plays bad, (laughs) should there be a a lot of concern for Packer fans next year going forward? Then Should you read too much into these two games if Jordan Love does not play well if he struggles? If he he goes out there and throws – three interceptions one week, three the next, you know, 200 yards, you know, less than 30%, 30% completion percentage, yeah, then I'd worry. But I don't think Matt LaFleur is going to put in that situation. I just don't see how they're going to get put in. I mean, I think even if they're 21 points behind the Chiefs, the Chiefs come out fast, the score, big play, big play, big play. I don't see the Packers trying to 
run and gun with the Chiefs in that case. And I think they just say, hey, play the kid and play the kid with what we know he can do and get him that, that real-time experience. Yeah, I think the way to look at it is that way. Plus, frankly, they can afford the – if they get a split in the next two, the Packers should be fine. Who do the Packers play next Seahawks week? Seahawks play next week with Seahawks Russell Wilson yeah. potentially coming back next week. Okay, if Russell Wilson's back, then, you know, you're going to have to get – it's going to be harder to get a split that way. But I think that's really what they're looking at is how do we get a split in these two games? They don't right. fall too far back. They only get the one loss. So they, they got the division intact. What Aaron Rodgers did not getting vaccinated might have cost them home field advantage. That's very true. And that's a big deal. Yeah, because you've got the, both the Cardinals and the Rams sitting there with one loss, the Cowboys with one loss. You know, there's a couple of uh, different things there. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, the Vegas Raiders here. Henry Ruggs gets a DUI. Uh, ultimately kills one female. Her dog was driving 156 miles an hour, was two times the legal limit. The NFL's got a free program to get guys Ubered home to avoid these exact type of situations. And he makes millions of dollars. He can easily get a ride home. This was so avoidable and so inexcusable. Um, Bo, I, I'm, I'm so disappointed. I'm disappointed too. Um, I have a 19 year old son and I'm not silly enough to think that my son doesn't drink. So I went to my son last year when he graduated high school. I said, give me your phone. And I put the Uber app on his phone and I said, son, if you're somewhere, you're at a party, you're at a bar, have a few drinks, put the keys in your pocket, take a picture of where the score right where your car is and get, take this Uber and get home. And if my 19-year-old son understands that, how the hell does Henry Ruggs making a few million dollars a year not understand that? I, I get it. Maybe you're showing off. you got this beautiful sports car. you got the girl and everything else. you football player. You feel like you're invincible. It's just a really poor decision, and that poor decision costs someone else their life. Um, you know, my heart goes out to the family of the – the young lady that passed away, um, you know, I, well, my heart went to Henry Ruggs in a way because this is going to change his life. He's going to prison. He's going to prison for a long time. He probably won't play yeah. in the NFL again, or if he does, no, not anytime he, soon. He may not be out of prison before he's 30. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, he may be going to prison for a while. Um, and he has to live with the consequences of a poor decision the rest of his life. Because of him and a poor decision, someone's life was lost. So I pray for him. I pray for him because that's not something – it was not his decision to make. He did not think, I'm going to go out there and kill somebody tonight. But he did make a poor decision, which cannot be forgiven in a way. I mean, it, he should have known better. Um, I pray for the family of the young lady that, that passed away in needlessly in this situation. Um, this is bigger than football, mm -hmm. honestly. And uh, I just pray for everybody and hope that everybody finds ease from their suffering in this because it ain't good for anybody. And, and, and people in this world, you know, I was going to cut you off a little bit here. We're talking about this on my podcast this week on Friday's pod on point five that, you know, it's look, I'm 45 years old and I would not be, I will not lie to you. I have gotten behind the wheel of the car when I shouldn't have. And I haven't done it in a long, long time. And it's because 
I do understand the consequences. It's not just me. It's not just that I might flip my pickup truck on the side of an embankment. It might be because I hit somebody else. I may take someone's life. You know, I have a, I have a securities license I would lose if I get a DUI. You know, these young men in the NFL or in any, really any life that you have a license or you have things you do, you're risking so much to make this poor decision. Man, it's easy to put the keys in your pocket, hit the Uber button. And if you're listening to this right now, you don't have Uber or Lyft on your phone, pause the damn podcast, download the son of a bitch, put your credit card on it. And the next time you go out drinking, use the service. It isn't that expensive. And you may just save someone's, someone's life. Mm-hmm. Well said. Well put. Um, on the football front, and I know these are, aren't easy to transition back to, but just on no, the football I, side. Yeah. Um, Henry Ruggs, too. You know, this guy was so talented. I mean, he had a decent rookie year. He wasn't great this year, but he was one of the fastest players in football. Yeah. He looked like exactly what Al Davis would have wanted in a wide receiver. Um, he was so good at Alabama. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Al Davis is smiling at me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I look at him and, and you know, just so much talent wasted now. You know what I mean? It is. To me, that's what blows my mind, you know, on top of everything else is who knows what the ceiling would have been for Henry Ruggs had this not happened, the career he could have had with the Raiders and and, uh, taking this team to places they haven't been in a long time. You just got to not make poor decisions. I mean, think about your actions. And it's it's easy for me at 45 to say that to a 22-year-old kid. And a 22-year-old kid is a kid, you know, and it's just, you know, so that. That's is that young man as well. I mean, I'm certainly sad for the young lady who passed, and, and more so for the young lady who passed. But to say, yeah, that waste of talent in a situation where that is, it's like, God, just because you know he didn't go out there thinking, I'm going to do this today. He just made a poor decision. But that poor decision is going to change his life forever. Yeah, you're right about that. I just pray for the healing for all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, NFL trade deadline was this past week. Saw a lot of movement. Yeah. And then also a lot of non-movement. Sean Watson still in Houston. Yeah. Odell is still in Cleveland. Um, what do you make of the events that transpired this past week when it came to the deadline? Let's do the two that uh, weren't traded first. Uh, Deshaun was not surprising that he did not get traded. That's That's just too hot for anybody to take right now. Without the NFL giving some guidance, on possible suspensions and possible, you know, uh, penalties involving that. That's just too hot for anybody to go after. Uh, plus, frankly, just what's going on and what's happened there, there's no fan base that's willing to take that. So I just think that's just a, that, that's the reasoning there. But one that was surprising was Odell Beckham. I thought Odell Beckham was going to get traded. I thought that someone would step up. I thought the Rams would be the team that steps up for Odell Beckham. Uh, we pulled his contract on my podcast. I looked it up. He has two more years, 22, 23. Uh, no roster bonuses left, which means he's he can be a salary cap cut. Um, at the end of the season, he has no dead money left. So he's someone that's probably going to be a casualty of the cap um, come February. So if he's, if he's cut before June 1, he doesn't hurt the, the Browns' salary cap. 
So that was their best opportunity to get something for him was now, you know, I guess they're trying to see what's going to happen with him and Baker. Um, I thought the, the video was funny. Everybody hurts. Have you seen this yet? I have. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, you know, Odell Beckham's dad throws a video out there and, you know, what is this rift between Beckham and Baker? I mean, do they not get along? Do they not? I mean, is, it, is there something going on between the two of them other than Baker doesn't want to throw him the football or at least make a good throw his way? Right. And then, you know, Baker's wife is now involved and such. Yeah. It's become a big family affair. And, and you yeah. saw Baker play the best football of his career last year after Odell went down. So yeah. – this is this one to me is hard to figure out in this situation. You, what's what's going on here? Do you think that Baker is is in the camp of the Browns are better without Odell Beckham? I think probably so. Okay, then if that's the case, he has to go to his team and say, "Get him out of here," at whatever cost. Yeah, and, and so I do think Beckham's going to get cut at the end of the season. Season's over. They get into the. It's just. The salary cap, you can predict certain things about a salary cap. Two seasons, no dead money, $15 million per year saved on your cap. Yeah, he's getting cut. No doubt about it. Well, I don't like the families getting involved, whether it's Baker's wife or Odell's dad, whatever. Yeah. Let these two grown men handle it out, work with the GM, yeah. their head coach, and do it, keep it in-house. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't like it at all either. And, uh, yeah, you got to let some – you just got to let two guys handle it. Whether it – maybe it's handle it outside the locker room. I mean, you know, if you got to throw some hands, you got to throw some hands. I mean, it's whatever it's got to be. I will say Baker don't want the smoke from uh, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham from New Orleans, he don't want that. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, there's no chance that Baker wants that. Um, but the other two – there was two trades I thought were significant. Okay. Um, Von Miller mm-hmm. uh, going to the Rams. You know, we had that one uh, for a second, a third. And I don't think this is a Von Miller plays every down kind of thing. I think this is Von Miller is going to be well-rested and get into a be, be a guy down the stretch in the fourth quarter of a game. You know, it would be one less offensive lineman that can block Aaron Donald. And, you know, Von Miller can be a great pass rusher still if he's not having to do it every down. So I think that, you know, for – uh, for the Rams, it's a good good addition. They've mortgaged the future. They don't have a pick in this year's draft till day three. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and for the for the Broncos, they're paying the majority of Von Miller's contract. Miller's a free agent at the end of the season. This is basically them buying two draft picks. Mm-hmm. This is them paying seven million bucks to get a second and third round pick from the Rams. And frankly, the cupboard's kind of bare right now. For the Broncos. So their new staff, because they'll have a new staff next year. They're not going to be keeping uh, Vic Fangio. They'll clear that whole team out, figure out what they're going to do, and they'll have some draft capital there. I wonder if it's enough draft capital to make the trade to Green Bay. I wonder if that's what they're eyeing there as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah, we know that they've been the favorites. That hasn't changed in the Aaron Rodgers. And now you just added a second or third round pick to try to go get Aaron Rodgers. So I think they can do it. Uh, the other one I thought was a good pick, especially well, until Jameis Winston got hurt, I thought the Saints adding Mark Ingram was exactly what that offense needed. Someone to run between the tackles so that Kamara doesn't have to take that many hits, kind of spell Kamara a little bit. You know, he likes being playing down there. I think it's a good reunion. 
frankly, they're going to need it now without Jameis Winston. So, um, yeah, but that was about the Mar uh, Mark Ingram uh, to New Orleans was the second best. I like the uh, Steelers or uh, the uh, Chiefs rather getting Melvin Ingram from the, the Steelers uh, yes. to play that defensive end spot, only giving up a six round pick. They needed that. Yeah, it was cheap. It was cheap. It's another, it's, 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 it's depth and pass rush. You know, again, you get into a game, fourth quarter, they're in a, they're in a division with Herbert. You know, if you look at it, if they make a playoffs, big if. But if you're in the AFC playoffs, a lot of teams throw the football. Josh Allen's in your in your conference. Herbert, um, you know, I'm trying to think. You've got, um, oh god, okay, now I'm a blank. Tannehill, oh, Baker, yeah, Tannehill. Right. You've got, yeah, I mean, you got these guys with these great quarterbacks. You know, Joe Burrow and and a few others, and you're going to need pass rushers, and you're going to need an extra body in the fourth quarter down the, you know, that we've seen that before where that veteran guy, maybe he wasn't playing great, but he gets you that big sack, you know, late in the game or week 15, week 16, or, you know, the second week of the playoffs that ends up changing the game. So I think that Ingram was a very good, uh, very good trade for the Chiefs. Let's talk about college football real quick. Last thing before yeah. we go, first poll yeah. was released on Tuesday, your top four, is Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon. First two out, Ohio State and Cincinnati. What's your initial reaction to the first playoff poll, Bo? Okay, so um, I watched this live on Tuesday night, and I about threw something at my TV. Um, all right, so it's the inconsistency of the committee. My biggest beef is Cincinnati shouldn't be six. They should be in. Yes. Right now, Cincinnati cannot play their way in. No. They have zero control of their destiny. And to me, they're the third best team right now. Now, there's the eye test and there's the records. And here's where my biggest complaint is. I've said first Cincinnati, I think, in my little power rankings, I've said number two based on record. Georgia is one. They're far and away the best team. I understand why Alabama's two. I think they could be the second best eye test team. Problem is, they're not consistent using the eye test. If they say Bama's the second best team, Michigan State's the third best team, and then to say that Oregon's ahead of Ohio State. Oregon beat Ohio State. To me, that means something. So they should be ahead of Ohio State. But if you're using the eye test right now, would you take Ohio State over Oregon? Yes. Aside from the game in the week one. If you just said who's better right now on the eye test, you'd probably say Ohio State. So the, to me, that's the inconsistency. Right. I think most people would say that. You got to get just throwing. Now, I'm not saying that's the right way to do it. What I'm saying is you can't do it one time for Alabama, but then not do it for Ohio State. Personally, it, I would not have – my whole my whole front four would be different. Georgia would be one. I would have had Cincinnati two. I would have had Oregon three, and I would have had Michigan State four. Now, Michigan State's going to be taken care of because they're going to lose in two weeks to Ohio State. Um, but Oregon, Bama's going to lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. But if Bama beats Georgia in that game, they're going to be one and two. Mm -hmm. People are going to say, well, the eye test is the two best teams. And they'll both have one loss. So they'll both get two slots. OU is back at eight, undefeated. Now, I don't 
you know my feelings. I don't think they're good. I don't think that they're a top four team. But if OU goes undefeated and wins out, and Ohio State wins out, and Oregon wins out, OU will jump Cincinnati. And Cincinnati will not be able to play their way in. And Cincinnati's done exactly what the non, what do they call it? The, there's the power five. And there's the, the group of five. Group of five. Everyone has said for the group of five teams to get out, to get in there, win your conference, go undefeated, schedule somebody and beat them. Cincinnati did just that. They scheduled Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They went to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. They kicked Notre Dame's ass. What else do you want from them? Right. And they beat an Indiana team who, before the season, was preseason top 25 yeah. on the road. They've they beaten the teams in front of them. They went and scheduled a tough game. So, I mean, I look at that top four and I go, who has the best win? Well, Oregon has the Oregon does. But Cincinnati has the second best win. Yeah, and they do. Out of those top six teams, say has the second best win by beating Notre Dame. And then you go and look, but who has the, the worst loss of those top six? It's also Oregon. Yes. They lost to Stanford. So to me, I mean, you hope this is going to get settled up these next few weeks. But what I dislike about this is that Cincinnati is reliant on four other teams losing games for them to get into the playoff. Here's what and they've done every damn thing asked them to get in. Here's what reeks me about this playoff bow is that when you talk about inconsistencies, this whole eye test thing, it's so subjective. Mm-hmm. Okay. And absolutely. Why are we not valuing the numbers for what they are of those win loss records? Yep. I put importance on being undefeated. Alabama. It's as if that AM game just didn't happen. I mean, yeah. they would have the same ranking right now had they beaten Texas AM. Yeah. They would I agree be number that. two in the poll yeah. right now. I that wouldn't to have me infuriates me that that's the case. So the way I look at it, I mean, you take, okay, people are talking about Cincinnati. Well, they barely beat Navy. Or looking at Oklahoma and saying, well, they have all these close games, whatever. Bill Belichick said it best. You know, stats are for losers. Final scores for winners. I don't care how you played the game yeah. in the eye test. You won. It shouldn't matter how you won or not. It should matter if you got the job done. So well, to me, I look at okay, did you win some quality non-conference games for Cincinnati and Oklahoma? They did that. Have you taken care of business and conference play? You have done that. You have earned a seat at the table. That's the way it should be. Yeah. Well, I think that OU should be ahead of both Michigan and Michigan State. I, I, I Michigan agree. State's only wins against Michigan. Michigan doesn't have a win against a ranked team. No. The fact that Michigan is seven, to me, is the biggest fraud in this. Oh, the, the, the Big Ten was given way too much credit. Yeah. And a lot of that is because their schedules are backloaded. The teams that are the better teams are all playing to their here at the end. Um, it would have helped if Michigan would have done their job and, and beat Michigan State last week. But I just don't think either of those two teams are very good. Um, Ohio State's going to play their way in because they're going to end up being the Big Ten champion. And, and Oregon's going to win the Pac-12. And then you're going to have you're going to have Georgia. So if you're Cincinnati, you're hoping – this is what you have to hope for Cincinnati. you got to hope that Georgia beats Alabama. 
it eliminates Alabama. You got to hope that Ohio State beats Michigan State, and really that Ohio State drops a game. You have to hope Oregon drops a game, and you got to hope Oklahoma drops a game. You need four out of those five to happen. You need four other teams to lose a game so that they can get in. And that's a damn shame for a team that's going to go undefeated, win their conference, win every game pretty handily. I mean, they played one closer game and did the right thing that the, that the committee told them to do mm-hmm. over the last couple of seasons, you know, by playing Notre Dame. I just, I really, I looked at and thought, this is just flat terrible, terrible. We, we got about like two minutes left before we yeah. need to wrap up. If I made you predict how this all shapes out, who is going to be the final four when it's all said and done, who would you predict? I would say Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, and, or- and Oklahoma. And Cincinnati's like left, champions. Cincinnati's left, Cincinnati's left out. And I think because of that becomes the argument for an eight-game playoff. Yeah. Yeah. I guess That's the that. one positive that the expansion can now go to eight games. I feel bad. The problem is right game. now the eighth the rule, team, the seventh and eighth team in Michigan and Oklahoma. I mean, at this point, they ought to just say, okay, fine. Group of five teams aren't eligible for the playoff. It's all this false. They might, as, they might as well. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. hate it. It sucks. Bo, appreciate the time as always. Follow this guy. Uh, at Coach Bo Knows Show and uh, check out his podcast. New episodes out each every Monday and Friday. Also check out O'Connor Advisory Group, OAGcast.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com for more info. Bo, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining Thanks us. Thanks, Have a great week. A couple more things before we wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get to our Big 12 breakdown for this week. And you heard us just a few moments ago with the football fix as Bo and I were looking at the college football playoff picture. And as I look more in depth in the Big 12 situation, I know that the rankings did not make Big 12 fans feel good when they came out on Tuesday with Oklahoma, an undefeated team sitting at eight. Oklahoma State, a one-loss team at 11. And Baylor, a one-loss team sitting at 12. And they were the – Oklahoma is the second lowest-ranked undefeated team. And Oklahoma State and Baylor were the lowest-ranked one-loss teams in the playoff poll. The playoff poll was not kind to the Big 12, to say the least. And those were the only three teams ranked in the college football playoff poll from the Big 12. So the numbers there aren't good, to say it nicely, for how the Big 12 was treated according to this playoff poll. But, Tom, there is some silver lining here. Here's what I would say. This Big 12 schedule is backloaded. It is done intentionally for the championship November, as some like to call it, whatever, to try to put your best games towards the end of the year to make the better case of the playoff, et cetera. I would still argue that all three of these teams control their own destiny to make the playoff. I would think so. If Baylor or Oklahoma State went out and beat Oklahoma twice, not just the regular season matchup, but the Big 12 championship game, even with the loss that each of them have, you can't leave them out of the playoffs. They would be in if they find a way to beat OU twice. Now, wait. 
They run the table. They go undefeated. They're in. Oklahoma could still probably make it in if they lose a game. So I would say maybe I'm over-optimistic, but I feel fine, (coughs) excuse me, about the playoff position of these teams. I mean, yeah, you know, anything can happen. Uh, You know, OSU, from my end, from what I can see, is geared up for it. They think they still have a shot at it, and God bless them, I I think maybe. But now what if – here's here's where I think it could get a little messy, and I don't think this will happen. I think this has the lowest percentage. I think the highest percentage what happens, OU wins out, OU makes the playoff. That has the highest percentage of happening in my mind the lowest percentage of happening on the ass end of that. What if, you know, get this, what if OSU goes in, they, you know, they take care of business in West Virginia, TCU at home, Tech, and then go win Bedlam. What if Baylor next weekend beats OU, takes care of business, wins out? It's OSU, one loss OSU, one loss Baylor in the Big 12 championship. Like I said, lowest possible chance does that winner get in still. I think so. I, I think that you don't think they look at name. You don't think it's name blue blood bias. I think it could happen. I, I think that the big 12 is in good enough position with the teams that are in that top 12, that if a one loss big 12 champion is in the picture, <clears throat> that there's a good chance that they're in. I would think Tom, with the way that Cincinnati has been disrespected, I would still <clears throat> apply that a one-loss Big 12 champion would probably have an edge over an undefeated Cincinnati. Now, this is a shame. I hate that. I hate that too. I would like to see Cincinnati be rewarded if they're undefeated. But based on how the committee's already disrespected Cincinnati at this point. I don't know if things are ever going to turn around for Cincinnati at, at, at this juncture going forward. I would think that the committee, even though the committee didn't like the Big 12 in this first bowl, is going to give credit for wins, and there's still quality wins on the table for these Big 12 schools. I think when it comes down to it, if they had to choose one lost Big 12 or undefeated Cincinnati, they lean towards one lost Big 12. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could see it. Let's. I mean, who Cincinnati's got Tulsa at home this weekend? You know, I joked around in our group chat that Tulsa's pulling the biggest upset in TU history. Probably not going to happen, but I wouldn't mind seeing it just so we could put the Cincinnati argument to rest. Um, go, go, Canes! But the only you know, thing got, left for Cincinnati is a potential conference SMU. championship with Houston who is in, you know, out just outside the top 25 in uh, the, the playoff poll. They're in the top 25 in the AP poll. Um, and SMU they do have SMU. Right. right. SMU is a borderline top 25 team. So they have those going for them, but the committee doesn't care about a group of five football. It, it's disappointing that Cincinnati's not getting this chance. I'd like to see it happen, um, but – I'm not feeling like that they're going to get the respect they deserve. And I think the most baffling one to, you know, and I was baffled that OU was that high. I mean, like, you know, I guess in in this case, low, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like not higher up in the seating. Um, and you know what? Maybe that's the eye test working. Um, you know, you, you, and I, hate close that game. I hate the, eye yeah. Test. I mean, a win's a win's a win. Right. Right. 
Um, and it should be that way. And, you know, Oregon's got one loss. And the Big 12, I would argue, and I, I don't think it's a bad argument, and I might be foolish to even say it. Um, it might be just obvious to anybody listening. Big 12 is way better than Pac-12. Um, so, you know, screw what you think. Oregon's got one loss. Undefeated should be in over Oregon right now. I don't care what anybody says. And, you know, if Oregon and OU played, Oregon very well might beat OU. But, you know, doesn't, you know, a win's a win. It doesn't matter. You win your games on your schedule and you're in. You lose one and another team's undefeated, hell, they're in. They won their games, you know, especially Power Five team versus Power Five, or Power Five conference versus Power Five conference. Right. It's, you know, it, that baffles me. Um, me so there's still a lot of, lot of football left to be played. Yeah, four games on the slate in the Big 12 this week. Let's run through these real quick. Um, we talked about this earlier with Adam. He'll be on the call for on FS1. Kansas and Kansas State, Sunflower Showdown. K-State played a lot better football as of late. Skyler Thompson is healthy again. KU had a really good performance against Oklahoma a couple weeks ago and then just laid an egg against Oklahoma State last week. What Kansas team are we going to see show up? K-State's going to win the game. I just don't know if KU is going to be competitive or not. That's the only really intriguing thing is, can KU get up for a rivalry game or are they going to get smacked again? K-State's going to win no matter what. Yeah, I think KU should, you know, it'll be interesting. I like what Lance Leopold's done so far with KU. I mean, this team actually has some fight. I've even heard Lance Leopold be called Ted Lasso, um, a Ted Lasso of a coach, which I really appreciate. Um, Believe. Right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I like what he's done. So I think they'll be able to get up. Maybe they're not going to win, but I think they're going to play a lot better than they did against Oklahoma State. I mean, it's kind of, you know, only up from here approach at that point. Um, but that being said, I mean, K-State's going to win this game. You know, it's I'd like to see KU put a competitive product out there. Yeah, I would, too. Uh, I would, too. We'll see what happens. OSU at West Virginia. Tom, this feels like a trap game for the Pokes. When you go into Morgantown, we know that Jared Deggy is capable of, of playing well at any given time. They have a decent run game at West Virginia here. OSU is the more talented team. They're the better coach team. But going into Morgantown, taking on a good quarterback here, um, OSU can't start slow. I think that they have to come out of the gates firing um, and not let West Virginia hang around here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that offense that was just, you know, playing against KU or if they've kind of figured it out a little bit. If they have figured it out, watch out. I think I like the defense to still be able to take care of business. But like you mentioned, they, they can't start slow. We're not, you can't play from behind in Morgantown. No, no, you can never play from behind at Morgantown. Should be a fun one, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Baylor taking on TCU. Gary Patterson out at TCU. And what a weird situation. Let's start there first, Tom. Gary Patterson is TCU. He is the identity of that school. And we heard some rumblings last week that they could potentially be looking to make a change at the end of the year. I didn't expect them to change this fast. And I know that they haven't had the year that they would have liked, but this still catches me off guard that Gary Patterson is out 
after being the heart and soul of this TCU program. And, and it goes to show, too, how, how much harder it is to maintain versus build. You know, Gary Patterson has coached TCU in the WAC, Conference USA, the Mountain West. They thought they were going to the Big East for a hot minute, but ended up in the Big 12. And he's won in all four of those conferences. But this is by far the toughest of those four leagues. They've won this league before, but they couldn't maintain. And I think eventually this job just got too big for Gary Patterson. TCU, I think, can go hire a good football coach. They're talking about trying to bring in Kellen Moore. I think that's a bit of a reach. They're not going to be able to bring in Kellen Moore. But this is a very good job with good facilities right in the heart of Dallas. Um, TCU is going to be just fine down the road. I think they, they can still compete at a high level. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't blame them for the move, in all honesty. Gary Patterson, the job got too big for him. Right. And, and I wonder how much to, and, and, you know, they, there's a lot of speculation that Gary just told TCU to, you know, F off, you know, when they said they'd like him to coach the rest of the year. And he just said the hell with it. Um, that could be a case. You know, I, I think a lot of the pressure to let Gary Patterson go would, you know, probably came and a lot of speculation here too, that, you know, tech is going to go after Sony Dykes. And I think TCU wants a piece of that pie. Um, Which to so, me is so funny that Sonny Dykes has become this hot candidate because right. I'm like, he wasn't even that great at Cal, people. That wasn't that long ago. Right. And now all of a sudden he's the hottest commodity, you know. And so it's like, okay, well, that's a little weird. But, you know, you do you type situation, um, sure. you know. Now, it, I would much rather take the TCU job over the tech, the tech job any day. Absolutely. Uh, you know, but, you know, and maybe that's why they got they, – they dished him out there, but I I would imagine so. I mean, what's it really going to change? I mean, is I don't even know TCU's record. What are they, like four and – Three and five. Three and five. So, I mean, they're – and you got – I don't forget who TCU has left. I know they have um, – I know they have – do they have – O? no, OU already They have played. OSU. They have OSU. Kansas and Iowa State. So they're they're essentially going to have to to win out here to to make a bowl game. So is, you, are they going to do that under an interim coach? No. Were they going to do that under Gary Patterson? Probably not. Um, so I don't. You know, the the only thing left that I can think of is okay. We're selling the farm because we're not making a bowl game. Probably the first. When's the last time T's bowl game? It's been a hot minute. Um, meanwhile, for Baylor, Dave Aranda's done, done a heck of a job. They still have a shot in the playoff, as we mentioned, still have a shot to win the Big 12 at this point. Um, and their offense, we knew that Dave Aranda was a good defensive coach, but Gary Bohannon has been terrific, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions this year. Baylor's had a sneaky good year, which I think we knew that they would be improved from last year. I don't think anybody saw this coming, though, they'd be – at seven and one, and this Baylor program would essentially be rebuilt for the third time now. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of been incredible to watch, and uh, you know under Matt Rule they had something going, and then you know I'm sure Randa comes in, kind of builds it up last year, doesn't wasn't very hot, and you know all of a sudden I wasn't expecting Baylor team to be this good when they played Oklahoma State. I did not think 
that at this point in the season, Oklahoma State would be their only loss. Uh, so is he going to get poached by LSU? Maybe. Um, you know, if you're uh, in the Big 12, you could only hope that he would leave if you're not a Baylor fan because what he's been able to do this quickly has been incredible. Yeah, he's done a great job. Last game on the uh, Big 12 slate, Texas in Iowa State. Um, here's a question for you, Tom. One way to view this game. Who's had the more disappointing season? Is it Texas at four and four when we've seen what they're capable of offensively? They certainly can put up points and, you know, they've competed with teams all year. Or is it Iowa State who had aspirations of making the college football playoff and they sit at five and three and brought back, what was it, 19 starters from last year's team? I would lean towards Iowa State. You know, it, it's still the first year for Sark. They're at Texas. Um, but both these teams have certainly not lived up to what they were, were hoping for in 2021. Well, no, of course not. And, and, you know, I think it has to be Iowa State, too, just because they're, you know, they were had aspirations to even at least win 10 games for the first time in program history. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, I mean, they don't have any reasons. Kind of like that Mason Rudolph team, uh, his senior year, they had all those aspirations to – you know, potentially, you know, win the Big 12 and do what they wanted to do. And, and, and that was their third year and they, you know, didn't end up like that. That's, you know, this is the last year for Brock Purdy. Kolar will leave. Um, this Hutchinson a junior. I mean, they're going to lose a lot at the end of this year. Um, and it just makes you think, what if? I mean, you know, the same case could go for Texas. You know, if you beat OU, even, even before – Red River, you know, they they start off pretty hot, you know, they look good, and then they go and just get blanked by Arkansas. Um, and after that, it's just, I don't know what, you know, they just had this loser's mentality, it feels like, of, you know, we can't hold on. Imagine if they beat, you know, their, their last three games, first time Texas lost three games since before Charlie Strong. Um, it's kind of an incredible stat, but, you know, Texas, you let's say you you hold on against OU, okay, boom, that gives you the confidence. Let's say you hold a gun, hold on against Oklahoma State, okay, boom, you hold on against Baylor, which they had a they were up, they were up. You hold on against that, then boom, now you're a seven and one team looking to make the playoffs. All those games they had a, a double digit lead in, you know, yep. what if? So that's pretty disappointing. If it doesn't, you know, you can make cases for both, but. Iowa State, way more disappointing. I would be sick if I was an Iowa State fan. Yeah, I would be too. All right, before we get out of here, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, we're not going anywhere but a retail shopping center, okay? This is pretty ridiculous. And, and Jones, I, we talked about this multiple times before. We've talked about how annoying it is. But you, I can remember you talking about a coworker here recently that, you know, they f*** up the group chat with the green text. They don't have iMessage. They don't have an iPhone. They probably have one of these. And Jones, That's the absolute I, worst. Right. I don't know who, what your coworker's name is. I don't know who he is or who she is, whichever. But I got the perfect Christmas gift for you because I would bet that they probably have a Samsung. Um, this is coming from GSM Arena, whatever that is. It sounds like a game. It sounds like a, I don't know what this is, but this is a legit one. Headline reads, Samsung announces jeans, Samsung, 
they're, they're coming out with jeans with a dedicated Galaxy Z Flip 3 pocket. They're making jeans with a pocket for their big-ass phone. Oh, Samsung, God. in partnership with Dr. Denim, has just oh, launched no. a pair. Yeah, it's bad. They should be green, not blue. Yeah. That's 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 really where they missed this because they are blue. They look like normal jeans, but the pockets look like something out of a damn '90s retro commercial. Okay. Samsung, in partnership with Dr. Denim, has just launched a pair of jeans with a dedicated Galaxy Z Flip 3 pocket. It is placed on the right hip and designated to fit the latest clamshell foldable. The jeans have all the other pockets either shown sewn shut or entirely removed, though. Stupid. So dumb. That's ridiculous. Why? And they even have like an embroidered Z on them. This is so stupid. In a press release, Samsung asked who needs big pockets and decided to scrap them because they take up too much space, don't look stylish, and the latest phones slip and slide in them. We are not quite sure we agree with those entirely. Having a dedicated pocket for a foldable phone such as the Galaxy Z Flip 3 does make some sense. The pair is sold for, I believe this is, I think this is Austrian money. Um, whatever Austria, whatever 1500 in Austria money is. Comes with a free, okay, get this. The jeans are selling for whatever, let me just make a conversion real quick because I need to know exactly how much see if this gets more ridiculous okay it is the austrian dollar i did get that right 1499 in the austrian dollar comes out to about 1100 dollars in usd so jones are going to run you 1100 dollars for this pair of jeans but it does come with a free 128 gig galaxy z flip 3 and one of the original four colors cream black green or lavender so Quick you check get the it. phone and a pair of jeans. Right. I think it's more so, okay, I want this Galaxy Z Flip 3. And if you buy the phone, hey, we'll throw on this pair of shit jeans with it. That's what it has to be, I'm imagining. A how quick check. It's, you say, how about no? Yeah. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't need the jeans. My jeans are fine the way they are. Here we go. A quick check at Samsung's website reveals that the actual price of the foldable being the Samsung phone, meaning a purchase through Dr. Denim gets you a free pair of the bespoke jeans. So really, what they're saying in this article is you buy the phone, you get, they'll throw in these shitty jeans. Jones, this is, the, this is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. This might be one of the stupidest ploys that I've seen since the KFC chicken console. You remember that? I do remember that. Where they had the, you could, had the heater in it where you keep your chicken warm. This is the stupidest shit since that. They had the Bud Light one. I would much rather get a Bud Light console, gaming console, over a pair of jeans that have all the pockets sewn shut or removed other than this little shit phone pocket. No. No. That's the dumbest thing I've ever... Like, first off, pockets are so useful, you won't catch me wearing a pair of cargo pants or cargo shorts. Never again. We've had that phase in middle school. I don't wear cargo shorts or pants. But pockets are useful. You know, you hear girls all the time. If, if girls have jeans with pockets, they'll let you know about it. It's like a person that does CrossFit. You can immediately <laughs> know. You know, like you immediately know, right? Uh, you know, if, if now like the new thing is it used to be if you do CrossFit, you let everybody know. The new thing is if you invest in cryptocurrency, 
you're going to know that person right away because that's going to be one of the first things they bring up. This, you know, girls with pockets with jeans, they'll tell you, oh, look, you know, I got pockets with jeans because all girls' jeans, for whatever reason, the pockets are sewn shut. Maybe that's the purse industry trying to make more money. You know, guys with pockets, we don't carry purses because we don't need them because we have pockets. So, so shout out to the purse industry. Why do but they the even phone? like put them there then if they're if they're sewn shut? I don't understand that. Right. Or they said, or just taken off altogether, which why not have a regular pair of jeans? What happened to the phone clip? You know, Uh-oh. this is essentially like putting, you know, I've never wore a phone clip. Don't get me wrong. That's a total that's a 45 dad to fit. Yeah, exactly. I got to have a white pair of Kirkland's and a and a, a I, tucked Tom, in shirt. would wear a fanny pack before I would wear a phone clip. Okay, fair enough. That I agree. Um, you know, I'm not going to wear a phone clip either, but would you rather wear a phone clip or wear a pair of jeans that are dedicated to having one pocket for your shitty Samsung phone? Ooh. I think I had to go with a phone clip at that point. I think the jeans almost sound worse with uh, the Samsung phone. Does that mean I have to have the Samsung phone, though? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. No, thanks. Yeah, do you want to be part of the Green Text gang? No. It ain't happening. And I like the Samsung has just somehow gotten worse. Don't get me wrong. I like Samsung's other products. I have a Samsung TV that's great. You know, um, they make other great products, but the phone no they have trash emojis they you know they have their instagram stories look so weird like the fonts are different yeah it looks terrible i think it looks trash um and don't get me wrong i love apple products and that's probably why but i had a galaxy phone before before us cellular came out with the iphone and i hated it i hated it 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 had problems all the time i used to be part of the blackberry game and then i thought i'd give samsung a try now, and the, cam- me, the cameras have gotten better. What is the brand of jeans we're talking about here? Dr. Denim. Never heard of that. Okay, yeah. Um, now, I'm not a guy, I'm not a snob when it comes to jeans. You know, like, I remember that there was a crowd back in the day that, you know, you had to be wearing Levi's or you had to be wearing Wranglers, Dickies, whatever. I'm not that way. I'll, I'll get jeans from Walmart. You know, I don't care. But Dr. Denim? I've never even heard of that. No, neither have I. It's like, okay, you know why this was a bad idea? Because no, not even Lee Jeans was messing with you, you know? Not even, there was no other reputable jean company that was like, yeah, this is a great idea. No, some brand called Dr. Denim. I'm looking them up right now. And I've never heard of them. If your phone requires a custom pocket, then your phone's just too big. I mean, like... I like having a big screen as much as anybody, Tom, but that's within reason. I, I don't need something that's over the top. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't like if I need a special pocket for it, then no, which is obviously a ploy. I mean, it's just like the KFC game console. No, I can't wear the jeans a... every day. Right. I mean, and if, if you only get one pair, I mean, I mean, nobody's going to do that. I mean, it's, it's, let's see, um, Dr. Denim. Okay, I typed in Dr. Denim, and literally the only thing that comes up is their partnership with Samsung. Dr. Denim sounds like an off-brand Walmart soda. Right, instead of, yeah, right. 
It does. It does. Doctor Denim, like Doctor Thunder. Right. You know, it's. So I'm. I'm. I'm looking here. Maybe they sell Doctor Denim at Buckle. That's what I'm making. That's what it's making it look like. You ever done the Buckle Challenge? I don't know what that is. Try to get through before someone like talks to you. Yeah, and uh, you film it on your phone and. We tried that in high school, and uh, we got yelled at by somebody above. I knew what you were doing. Oh, exactly. Let's see. Yeah, no, I never did that. But, yeah, I mean, they could have partnered with any any other brand. You know, Dr. Denim, not seen it. Dr. Denim Echo Jeans. Echo, okay, looks like parachute pants. Um, it looks like they're big overseas. Like, I'm seeing Japan and Sweden. Makes sense because, you know, Samsung, whatever. But, yeah, no. No, I'm not. I'm not having it. I'm, uh, they've, they've somehow gotten worse. I will call somebody out if I see them with the, the jeans on. If you want to look it up, just type in Samsung jeans and you'll see they have like the Z on almost like the hip area, like like an embroidered Z. Yeah, and it's just no. You know, it's almost Christmas time, Tom. I might give you some uh, Dr. Denim jean shorts. No, you need you need to get whoever has the Samsung phone. If you can source those jeans somehow without buying the phone, you need to get whoever a pair of those jeans. Okay. Now, I don't I don't know if they have the foldable, you know, the Samsung Z Flip Three or whatever they call it. I don't know if they have those because that's that's these jeans are specifically made for that phone. Um, but it would be a funny gag gif if you could get them on the on the cheap. Oh yeah, that'd be great. That's too good. Fun story there. We got to go. Fun show today here on the Jones Sport. Big thanks to Adam Alexander, Coach Bo, for joining us as well. Subscribe to the Jones Sport, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. On Twitter, at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at Studio underscore Soapbox. Facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live. Uh, also, Facebook.com forward slash Studio Soapbox. And Instagram, Jones underscore report, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas. You can find us there. And the Studio Soapbox Network with new shows out each and every day, Mondays and Fridays, the Coach Bono's podcast, new episode coming out tomorrow. Tuesdays, Raw Tools with Luke Slaybaugh. And Wednesdays, Let's Go Racing with David Starr. We'll have a complete wrap up of the NASCAR season coming up next week on a David's show. And of course, this show on Thursdays uh, as well. So. Uh, a lot of stuff to look forward to over the uh, next few weeks on the uh, Studio Soapbox Network. So stay tuned for more information there. Got to run. Hope you have a great week, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. For Thomas Bridges and Tyler Jones, thanks so long. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. See you next week.